Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Winter day. Oh, come on. You want to puke? Well deserved, by the way. Here's Bellinger, RBI single, his first time, man at third. We got a five-minute intro for today's show. Fly ball, right field, way back. Look out! Is that run number 17, 19? What a thing of beauty that was last night, right, boys? Good game. Good game. Any more frustration for an MLB fan base when your team doesn't do anything of substance at the trade deadline, and then they give up a 20 spot on the same day? I think that's nothing for, but optimism at that point, right? I would, I would think. It can giving, only go up. Giving up a twenty spot in in a game, like the the equally frustrating thing will be, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if Chicago comes out now and has like a one run game and gets beat five one, and then you're like, wait a minute, like you were saying, Mark, save some of those runs. Yeah, right? that's all right. Harry Carey, last night. Harry Carey used to have a saying, like if somebody hit a, a long fly ball to deep center and it would fall short. Harry Curry would say, oh, one more biscuit for breakfast, and they'd hit a home run. My mom, as a diehard Cubs fan, sent me – and my mom, as a diehard Cubs fan, either has never accepted or not totally grasped that I'm actually a Reds fan. But she texted me last night, well, the Cubs certainly had their biscuits for breakfast, but they need to save some of those runs for tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. That is an understatement, to say the least. Uh, good Wednesday morning to you. We are in studio, as the Colts have an off day here. They are a week into camp. Uh, they'll get back to practice tomorrow morning. It is a 9 a.m. practice tomorrow, so I know 10 a.m. has been the typical start time for Colts training camp. But if you're headed out there, I want to say of the final four morning practices, I think three of them start at 9 a.m., so certainly keep an eye on the schedule for those that are heading up to Westfield. We'll have Reggie Wayne join us coming up at 9 o'clock, and Bob Kravitz at 9.30, so pretty busy 9 o'clock hour. Uh, feels a bit odd to be in studio, though. I was trying it to does. think. I was like, when was the last time I saw you guys? You know what? It's been a while. Based on that, I have something for you guys. Because it's been this long since the three of us have actually been here together. Because we've either been at training camp or Mark's been on one of his 64 days of vacation. Uh, I can't remember which of you guys was blueberry and which is maple. Oh, I was maple for sure. Yeah. So this is from Canada? Yep. Thank you. Straight from Roots Canada. Mark, you got the blueberry, Mark? You gave me the blueberry, yeah. Okay. Oh, another one? Okay. Hold on. Whoa. Jake, thank you. Double mints. These are the Roots Canada, which is Roots is like um, Gap meets Urban Outfitters meets Abercrombie, if that place is still around. It's, so it's a clothing store in Canada, but they have these little mints that are maple flavored, and then in the case of what Mark got, maple blueberry. They taste like blueberry pancakes, but they're actually pretty good mints, right? Yeah, they're so, very good. So I brought those back for you the guys, and like I've been sitting on them forever, so my apologies. And now you're Nashville-bound this no, weekend? Nashville this weekend, and then, as a matter of fact, on Friday, thank you for the segue, Kevin, uh, Friday night, or actually Friday from 4 until 6, I'll be at the Advanced Auto Parts on Crawfordsville Road. Um, race Simulator will be there. You come in, you do a race simulator, which is super fun, and you get tickets for the weekend after that. So the Brickyard IndyCar doubleheader, 
triple header if you count Xfinity as well. Uh, we'll be giving away tickets on Friday from the Advanced Auto Part on Crawfordsville Road in Speedway. Thursday night, so this Thursday, so that's this Friday. Thursday night, I'll be waving the green flag to start the 317 run. 1,600 runners have signed up. Uh, free beer afterwards for the run on that begins on Mass Ave. Nice. So that'll be fun on Thursday night. They asked me if I wanted to do it. It's 3.17 miles. And I said, you know what? I, I gave myself the convenient excuse. I, I've got my follow-up with Motman today. I don't think I should push the heart too hard, right? <laughs> that sounds sufficient. Yeah. Are we back at camp on Friday? Uh, no, just Thursday this week. Just Thursday. The okay. rest of this week. Yeah, Friday is an off day. They'll go Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. And again, I, I'm sure I'll say this every day between now and next Saturday. Can you believe they're going to play a preseason game a week from Saturday? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Does Anthony Richardson play a lot in the preseason? Probably needs to, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Yeah, I'm super curious how that is handled, how they go from the joint practices to the preseason games. I know past precedent for a lot of teams around the NFL is you don't really play your starters much after those joint sessions, but um, how Shane Steichen handles all of that. Um it's certainly an unknown, and I'm very, very curious about. Um, again, Reggie Wayne going to join us 9, Bob Kravitz 9.30. Certainly a ton of Colts conversation. Jake, I did think yesterday was the shakiest we've seen from Richardson. Uh, he took all 18 starting reps. He was back to practice after the nasal and I was wrong surgery. about that. I didn't think there was any way he'd be back that fast. I was wrong there. But, um, but this is how it's going to be, is it not, Kevin? Yeah, yesterday looked like a very rookie 21-year-old day. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't used to breathing that well. What about him looked shaky? Well, just timing and accuracy is probably the most the, the two most frequent things. You know, Gardner Minshew, I just think there's a different rhythm with him, and the timing of it is probably the thing that separates them the most. Um, certainly Richardson still had throws that you really sit there and say, okay, that's what you are trying to get more consistency out of. I think so much of this question is going to come down to this, and I guess this is in regards to week one. Are the Colts going to play it as what gives us the best chance to win in September, or are they going to look at things through a big picture lens? It's got to be the latter. It's got to be the latter, right? It's get, That's going to be... Now, is that your opinion, or is that what you think they will do? Because that is kind of my opinion, too, but... I think that's what they will do. So you think Richardson is the week one starter? Yes. Here's the thing. I, I, I actually believe this. If you're Shane Steichen, I guess the better question would be this, Kevin. Who gets that final say? Who makes that call? I'd like to think it would be Steichen. I mean, are, are because we, are I, you know, are I'm still not, meddling here. In no way, shape, or form am I insinuating that people are on three different pages. I, I, I have no reason to believe that, or two pages. I have no reason to believe that. But the reality is, of the three, Shane Steichen would be the one that is in that would be the most likely to be in win now mode. Ballard and Ursay are in build future mode for sure i could see steichen being like look i'm I'm a new head coach like i want to win games i want to get i want to develop a winning culture i want to show guys what winning means whereas i think ballard and ursay are like 
So I can't speak for what Shane Steichen's mindset is, but I would think that Ballard and Ursay's mindset is we've been through the whole we're going to try to win now mode. This is a total reset. We have literally we have hit the volume button and the side power button simultaneously and waited for the screen to go black and then for the little apple to reappear to reboot everything. That's what they're doing. So based on that, I could see them saying, we're not worried about whether we win the difference between two games and seven games this year. We are worried about developing our quarterback. And that's the right thought. I I don't know if, again, it's universal among those three, to your point, and Boy, when you hear about Chris Ballard and you know he'd have more eyes to the future, it's like, gosh, that dude's got the longest leash of any GM in modern NFL history with how his resume looks now, six years into it. The, the other question I think it's going to boil down to with Richardson and Minshew, and I try to provide this context in the daily recaps I do from camp on 1075thefan.com, the two of them, Minshew and Richardson, are in just two different worlds from an efficiency completion percentage standpoint i want to say Minshew's at like 80 percent so far and richardson's at like 54 i mean that is a massive difference the question becomes will you look through the big picture lens and do you feel like richardson's got more triples and home runs in him whereas Minshew's got more singles and doubles and can the big plays offset that and i think the other thing to mention too this atmosphere is supposed to cater the better thrower of the football because you got to wear a red jersey. So Richardson's running element to him. Sure, you see him make some plays with his legs, but you still can't tackle the dude. And for a guy that weighs 250 pounds, it's going to be pretty hard right. to tackle him. So, you know, once you get into the live preseason settings each of the next three Saturdays, starting a week from Saturday, that's when, or I guess the final preseason games on a Thursday, that's when you're going to get a little bit more of a, okay, now Richardson's in his best element. Whereas right now, this is probably Minshew's best element. Minshew hasn't been, I I haven't seen a lot of, of conversation from Minshew. But, Kevin, I think it's worth repeating or going back over again. Uh, do you believe that Minshew came in with the understanding and the immediacy of knowing that primarily it was going to be at some point with certainty handed over to Anthony Richardson. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't born yesterday. Yeah. His contract says that, Jake. His contract has like a, I want to say it's like a $4 million difference based off playing time incentives. Basically, the unknown was there of when they signed him in March. We don't know who we're drafting necessarily. And we might need you for 17 games. We might need you for 17 snaps. So, yeah, we're going to bring you in here. Um, but there is an unknown. <laughs> there was kind of a cool moment, I thought, at the end of practice yesterday where Richardson's family, I, I feel like they've been there every single day. It looks like the little brother's going to go to Westfield based off his, his apparel. I was thinking, what you know, could you send him to Zionsville, get him and Hilton, uh, Eugene Hilton, for a year or two? Well, Eugene Hilton's kid, is uh, he's been in high school for like seven years, it feels like. Or well, he, he's just been on the radar that long, right? Yeah, he, he's just, I think he's just going to be a junior. So I thought, you know, Richardson's little brother comes to be a sophomore, and boom, all of a sudden you got little Richardson to little Hilton. How, how um, crazy is that to think that you're going to have a, a a high school kid walking around whose brother is the starting quarterback of the. I mean, I know that it, it would have happened. Jeff George had older brothers, not younger. But I mean, can you imagine like your buddy at school? 
And you're like, oh, yeah, his brother's the starting quarterback of an NFL team that's on ESPN every night. Easy to make friends? You think? Um, but Richardson's family was in, you know, afterwards saying hi to him. And then all of a sudden, Gardner Minshew comes over and, like, they want a picture with Gardner. Richardson's family. Oh, yeah. it, it was just kind of a funny moment of like you, you. You felt like you were watching. Like, hey, we just wrapped up the big travel baseball tournament. Let's all take pictures with each other. Here. I mean, we make a joke out of Gardner Minshew as Uncle Rico, but in that situation, he's kind of the Uncle Rico, right? And again, their relationship dates back even before they both became Colts. And I do think there is kind of a genuine nature to certainly Richard. There are moments where I'm reminded, Jake, that like Anthony Richardson is still 21 years old, barely 21. That was one of them. His play at practice yesterday was one of them, and then his comment after practice. I was asking him because I, you know, he was walking over to the tent, and I'm like, not to get too personal, I'm like, he looks bigger to me than he did back just even a couple months ago. And so I said to him, I'm like, what was your playing weight at Florida, and what are you at now? He said at Florida he was around 240. Now he's in the 248 to 250. And I wonder, is that good or bad? So I asked him, I was like, is that planned? You know, for a lot of these guys, it's planned. You know, Bernard Ryman put on a lot of weight after year one. Um, there are a litany of players that certainly, you know, fluctuate with their weight planned uh, in between seasons. And Anthony was like, oh, no, that's not planned. That's just all body muscle and mass of, like, just me growing. And it's like, well, hell, I mean, I, I guess he was only 20 years old last year and now he's 21 like his body is even still growing here's the thing though again I, this is going to sound like i'm being a natural cynic that's not the case at all i'm simply curious because i saw that and i'm like well i mean there are some guys that once they go through the combine and they go through all of that and especially and really at no fault of anybody's i think there are a lot of guys kevin that when they get drafted then they go in the media tour and they do all that and it's like St. Elmo and then you're doing this, you're doing that. And guys just naturally organically gain five to ten pounds right off that. And that was my first thought was like, well, wait a minute. Like, is he gaining weight the way that like you or I would as opposed to muscle mass? Because one would think he had to be on a pretty st- – the, the the workout regimen in the NFL, I'm sure, is compl- in the, the nutrition and everything would be superior to that of a college program. But it's not like he was playing at Tarleton State, right? I mean, he was playing at a place sure. where I'm sure he was pretty – they were doing a pretty solid workout. But Yeah, I, I genuinely think it's just like – I mean, didn't Paul George grow a ton kind of in that oh, same yeah. age range? Yeah. You know, I almost think that's the case here with with Richardson. How so, old were you when you had your growth spurt? I feel like it was like right around eighth grade freshman year. I grew to about like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, and and for the most part have been right there. I think I'm now like 6'3". For the most part, it's So been I was always – Right around there. I never really, this is going to sound crazy, I never had a growth spurt. I mean, I'm 6'4", but I was always, I, I, like I just, I grew at an even pace. I was always the tallest kid in my class, always. Like it wasn't, you know how sometimes you hear about guys that it's like, oh my gosh, he left for the summer at 5'8 and came back 5'11, you know, whatever. That I never had that, thank God. That would have been terrible. Larry Bird that happened to, right? Didn't he grow like seven inches in one off season or yeah, you always summer. hear like about the Anthony Davis, like his junior year of high school went from like six two to like six nine. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that does sound miserable. I guess it worked out for him. Yeah, to say the least, right? Mark, what about yourself? Uh, You're still, still waiting. Still on it, waiting. Right? Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet. Looking forward to it though. It should be very exciting. <laughs> Puberty on the horizon for Mark Dykton. Ah, uh, the Colts did make a veteran move on their O line 
yesterday. We'll touch on the new Colts offensive tackle here a little bit later in the show. We are a week into Jonathan Taylor on the physically unable to perform list. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network did have a slight update on things with Taylor. We'll play that audio here a little bit later. It is reaching one of those points, Jake, and I still think we're probably 7 to 10 days away from it, but it's August 2nd. If we're sitting, let's just go 10 days out. We're sitting here on August 12th, and Taylor is still on that pup list. Jake, that's now nine, maybe 10 months since he's last participated in a football activity. Like, if he's going to play this year, I mean, you get to August 12th, you're less than a month away from the start of the season. So, I feel like in the next week, week and a half, you now start to get to some, not necessarily hardcore deadlines contractually, but more of like, wow, is this injury situation, and I say that in quotes, is this going to force him to miss time? I mean, wouldn't you think the guy needs a month? Three weeks to ramp it up? I mean, yeah, you would think, right? After missing 10 months. Because he missed the final three games of last year. We know he obviously had that nagging ankle injury for probably, what, 75-80% of last season. But I tried to ask Shane yesterday, we're, you know, we're a weekend to Taylor on the pup list. Uh, is he any closer to, uh, to returning? And Shane Steichen is not in any mood to answer those questions. Okay, here's the thing, Kev. Do you remember, and I think it's easy to forget this, do you remember early in the tenure of Jonathan Taylor? And I'm talking first quarter of rookie year. Do you remember how slow it was to get him out of the gate? Like Yeah, those first couple months it was um yeah, it was it was pretty I mean, I, I think there were whispers of like eh, did they just get another Trent Richardson? Like why is he not and what was the kind of the conversation at the time or the explanation at the time the explanation of the conversation was that it was just a matter of if you recall it was like well he was it was taking him a minute to, to see the holes and to see plays develop and once that happened he was a dynamic player no doubt about it but there were a lot of times early in his rookie year where he was running into gaps that weren't there or choosing the wrong cut to make understandable your first year nfl player and everybody's like hey what's going on here and then and then literally the light switch went off he had to learn his timing he had to learn his instinct and his reaction do you lose that by being out of it i think possibly you do and you have to reacclimate that Maybe you don't. Maybe it's like riding a bike. I, I don't know. But that would be my concern is if you go back to as good a player as he's been, he is not a player that was that was take off the bubble wrap and let it go. Well, and I think an interesting point to also bring up, Jake, and I don't want to get too deep into this because it's, you know, save that conversation for a guy like Rick Venturi who who certainly can touch on it much better than, than I. But I think for any of us that go out there and watch Colts practice, it's pretty obvious the run game looks different. I mean, Shane Steichen brings a modern shotgun feel. It looks Saturday college offense to me than more of the traditional Frank Reich, a little bit more under center, a little bit more in between the tackles. And I know there are some people out there, and yet this is probably a hair nitpicking of Taylor's game, that question how effective of a runner he is out of the shotgun versus under center. I mean, we all watch Wisconsin play football. They're under center like 98% of the game. 
mean, that's how Wisconsin's offense is operated. Now it's probably going to change with Luke Fickle, but that's neither here nor there. So it's not just necessarily where Taylor's at physically, nine or ten months removed from his last football action, but it's also this is a different rushing offense. He would be working with two different quarterbacks, um, you know, whether it is Gardner Minshew, whether it is Anthony Richardson, obviously. He's got no prior history with them either. Um, So I know we're probably in a bit of a quiet pattern with Taylor, unless people just want to chime in on Twitter, um, which I guess we can't totally rule that out. Um, Please don't tell me you're going to call it X. Have you noticed on your phone when you're like, oh, I need to check my tweets or I want to tweet something, how many times you scroll past your pages of apps because you're looking for the bluebird? Well, this is probably not something I should admit, but whatever. I'm so addicted to Twitter. I know exactly where it is on my phone. So I, my, my thumb, it's like it's got a magnet. My thumb just just clicks right on the middle right side of the page one, and boom, I'm back in the app. <laughs> okay. And I'm shaking when I can't get in the app. When it says error no tweets aren't loading yeah, exactly you you have reached your limit now yeah. let me let me allow me to ask this is the thread things already is the threads thing already done that seemed like a 24-hour period yeah quite the run there can we play the rick carlisle it was fun while it yeah. lasted audio maybe mm-hmm. for threads there yeah now you created one right jake i did only but you had to create an instagram for threads or you correct. had an instagram no i had to create an instagram to get a threads account and i did it only because i'm like okay i mean if this is where everybody's going i wanted to be able to you know claim my name as an account so i have an account you posted on the gram i don't think i've i don't think i've posted anything on instagram yet you didn't do I your don't. cologne collection or anything what's that you didn't do the cologne collection photo no i didn't want to create a lot of envy right mm-hmm. away all right, first Instagram. Let's Sunday your perch of the street race and go. Yeah, let me see if I've maybe I have posted something already. How do I know? Every time here's the other thing that's weird. Every time I go on Instagram, it's nothing but videos of Britney Spears in like a thong in her living room dancing. I mean, that's not the worst thing, is it? Woo! And I certainly I, had. I asked Shannon. She's like, "Well, you reminiscent, follow her." I think of me in uh, the Joel Erickson T-shirt yesterday and I'm like, to end the show. How do I follow Britney Spears on Instagram? I don't remember doing that. Is that like an automatic account? And she's like, "No." At some point, you clicked on something. I'm like, okay, maybe I did. I don't know. Paulina Gretzky has shown up in my timeline a, f- a few times, and I've Woo! been curious why that or how that happened. <laughs> right? No, like, n- not necessarily complaining. That's when Maddie's looking over your shirt, like, "How'd this get here? Yeah, I don't uh-huh. understand I what know. happened here." I was, I was following educational it's algorithms out of control. Educational accounts. I, I have not done a story yet, and I, I, don't, I can't. Nashville's the perfect time. You'll be the only non-bachelorette party to be uh, posting Instagram. School Instagrams. buses going past with the top cut off. Uh, five practices into camp. We'll get into any sort of position leads. We'll talk quarterback. Certainly that update, what we've seen through uh, five practices. And again, a little bit more on that Jonathan Taylor situation for me and Rappaport yesterday. We'll play that audio. Coming up, Reggie Wayne at 9 o'clock. Bob Kravitz at 9.30. It continues to be a very, very comforting uh, weather week here in Indianapolis. Uh, supposed to be a beautiful Wednesday here in the Circle City. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Jake Quarry. Mark Dykton with us as always. You're listening to Kevin Quarry on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. On Amaya. In the air, left. 
Out Senzel back, back some more. Miguel Amaya with his third homer of the year. And the Cubs lead it 19 to 5. No owner talk, Mark? Owner talk? What do you want owner talk for? I, I thought you play a little Reds opening day or... Oh, no. No, no, no. It is embarrassing. I mean, 20 to 9. I saw they scored four in the top of the ninth. Hey, had to make it a little closer than it appeared. Bengals-Bears score there. You know, four is another key number from last night. Cubs still four back of the Reds. That's okay. Uh, ben That's Lively okay. did the Oprah, right? You get a run. You get a run. It's one of those things where don't you just leave them in at that point? Yeah. Why Instead do you, of burning arms? Why do you waste your bullpen? Did well, because they who, might still be pitching if that was the case right now. What is the connection between last night's Chicago Cubs game and this radio program? Aside from Mark being a Cubs fan and Kevin and I liking the Reds. There was something that took place in last night's game that connects in the Kevin Bacon game to the Kevin and Query radio program. Tucker Barnhart started a catcher and has been on the show. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's where my head Matter of fact, going. that's probably more direct, but but that happens every game. Or at least he's you know on the roster. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll tell you at the end of the segment. How's no. that? What a, what a tease. tease. What a tease. That's a professional right there. Uh, how about Framber Valdez, guys? No mm-hmm. hitter for the Astros. 93 pitches. That is the fewest pitches in a no hitter since David Cohn in 1999. What do we think? Verlander to the Astros is going to push them to be the AL favorite? It's almost like they should have you know, let him go in the first place, that they're just going to get him back. Uh, for sure. I asked Scotty the, like two weeks ago, I asked Scotty Johnson, I said, who do you think is going to be in the World Series? He said Astros. Don't look now, but the cute fellow's hanging around there, I'm telling you. Cute fellow made a couple moves yesterday, too. I was going to say, they they were certainly a buyer. Uh, Indians win 7-5, and that's pretty much the rundown baseball-wise. Tigers and Cardinals lose yesterday. Uh, The Fever, I just had the sheet in front of me. Do you have the sheet in front of you? They got a win, right? By one? Yeah, but I was trying to pull up the... Here we go. Uh, Fever last night beating Phoenix 72-71. They are back in action on Friday against Connecticut. That is a 7 o'clock tip. Yes, second uh, home win of the season for the Fever. Colts practice off today. They'll back at it tomorrow. Here was Anthony Richardson yesterday on the nasal septum procedure. Uh, Just a little bit of pressure, uh, like in the middle of my forehead. But that wasn't really stopping anything. No, my breathing was still fine, but it was just... I was just correcting some stuff just to get it better. He did admit, Jake, he was kind of like, yeah, I don't really know why I waited this long. And again, I walk away from the pressure. I'm like, that's like such a 2021-year-old comment. Totally. <laughs> you know, like but you when you're in think- college, you just think you're invincible with everything. You're like, ah, I'm good. Now, is this one of those things where he didn't really notice it until they started practicing and kind of getting the workout well, I- going where he's like, this feels weird? Okay, two two thoughts. First thought was, I'm like, we watched, we saw the videos of him playing basketball this offseason. I'm like, did he get hit in the nose? That was a thought that crossed my mind. But the second thought is, and I mean this in all seriousness, like when I go to Florida, I feel like my allergies are a lot different than they are here. When someone from Florida comes up here That's to the Midwest possible. for the first That's time possible. in his life, I, I maybe I'm... But totally. you would think the Colts would have caught that like fairly early on, right? Yeah, I don't. Who knows? I, I I can't get my brain to get too deep into that story. The Jonathan Taylor thing is enough 
for me. Richardson back in practice yesterday. We'll recap that. Get more into Jonathan Taylor. And the Colts did make an offensive tackle move yesterday. A guy that actually has a bit of an NFL resume. We'll explain more coming up as well. Reggie Wayne at 9 o'clock. Bob Kravitz at 9.30. Kevin Aquari here. I'll give you the answer on the other side, too, from last night. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. This is the ultimate tease. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mark Dykton is flying the Millennium Falcon. Is it Millennium Falcon or Millennial Falcon? I was never a Star Wars guy. I've always heard it was Millennium Falcon, and I was like, what? Mm. Is it? I don't know. That's what the nerds Is it Millennial say. or Millennium Falcon? It's got to be actually, it can't be the the Millennial Falcon because you actually want it to do stuff, right? Was that an old man joke? What the hell was that? Uh, I would say I'm yelling at clouds, except for that it's a beautiful sunny morning this morning. Millennium Falcon is what it says. Falcon. Say that again. F A L C O N. So it's not the Atlanta Falcons. So it's pr- it's pronounced like that, Mark. Falcon? That's what I, that's what it says. We don't go with the but Atlanta Falcons. What's the Falcons? first word? Millennium. Okay. Um, Colts. You said day off today, Kevin, or just afternoon practice today? Day off. I'm waiting for the ultimate tease you've had here. Can you explain well, I was, this? I was Cubs getting to that. Um, Reds connection here? Yesterday during the Cubs-Reds game, take me out to the ball game, seventh inning stretch was sang by, or is it sang or sung? Mike or Shrewsbury? Sung. I don't know. I didn't I didn't catch the seventh inning stretch. I didn't, I didn't see who did it. Andre Dawson. Oh, the Hawk. Mm. And you know the connection to this program. That I find fascinating, and I appear to be the only one that does. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson is the uncle-in-law, if that makes sense. But Andre Dawson is the uncle and very, very close, like spent every summer at the uncle's house level closeness to the wife of Stephen Holder. Really? Really? I had no idea. So Stephen Holder is from Miami. His wife is also from that area. And her mother, I believe, had simply one sibling, and it was... Her, the brother on which was Andre Dawson. So in the summertime, Stephen Holder's wife and her sister would spend the summer in Chicago at their aunt and uncle's, which was Andre Dawson and Andre Dawson's wife. Going that was Cubs. quite the tease for that. Thank you. Going to Cubs games and everything else. See, you learn something every day. Um, Stephen for some some memorabilia. <laughs> that's exactly right. Hey, Stephen, you know, uh, can we I get a signed from, picture? You know, we went from Falcon to Hawk is what we did oh, there. There you go. Right uh, the Kevin, tell me about the new offensive lineman for the Indianapolis Colts. He's big, 6'9", 330. That is Good large. Uh, Dan Skipper is the name, oh, obviously. Uh, Insert your jokes there. 
on that one. Does he sleep in a hammock? Uh, five starts last Ever year. stuck on an island? For the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I knew it would be some low-hanging fruit here uh, with trying to make some comedy out of that one. Um, you know, it's hard to get him to come to practice every day, though, just so you know. Mark, He's a coconut for a phone. Mark, remember a few weeks back when you hopped on the podcast and uh-huh. we did kind of the most indispensable yes, Colts? I, and I, I put Braden Smith atop the list, if I'm not mistaken. I think you had Bernard Ryman really high on the list as well. I think the reason, part of the reason for that is because you had no veteran depth at offensive tackle. You know, Blake Freeland, the fourth round pick out of BYU, he's that third guy so far through five practices. I've seen him a little bit more at right tackle than left. So, Basically, I think you view this move as some veteran insurance, and if Smith or Ryman were to go down, I mean, all of a sudden, a guy like Skipper, a guy like Freeland, they could be asked to play every single snap for you for however long that absence is. So You know, the Skipper looks like he could have been an offensive lineman, didn't he? Alan Hale? Ooh, maybe back in the day. I don't know about yeah, a modern line, Maybe lineman. linebacker or cornerback? Like yeah. in that era, right? Portly yeah. fellow? Portly, huh? I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen Dan Skipper? He certainly looks like, I mean, he looks like a mountain lion. Can we play guess the college for Dan Skipper? Are you aware, Kevin? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with, uh, Mark, you go as your first guess here. Jeez, oh, this, BYU. I have no idea. Okay, oh, I'm going to go. That's, that's Freeland. I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Kevin, Ooh. your guess? Jake, very close. Oh, so you know the answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's got to be Baylor then. Second guess for you, Mark? Uh, North Carolina State. Now, how is that close to Texas? I don't know. Tech. I'm just guess- I'm guessing a random offensive lineman's college. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, what do we got? I'm looking up pictures of the skipper right now. Woo, <laughs> pig, suey. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. That'd be Arkansas, by the way, for those that are unfamiliar. The Razorbacks of Arkansas. You know, I, I guess good news on the offensive line through five practices – They've had no injury issues whatsoever. It's been the same starting five for all five practices. Yesterday, again, was the first day in full pads. You know, Jake, I think one of the head-scratching things about Chris Ballard's offseason for me has been just the lack of offensive line attention. I mean, he has literally said it's not a personnel issue. It, His words haven't said this, his actions have. His actions have said it was a coaching issue, maybe a scheme issue. And so they have elected to go with the same five from last year that ended last season. So that would be Bernard Ryman, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Will Fries, and Braden Smith. That's been the group so far. Um, But the depth of that group, I'm like, wow, you are relying on a whole lot of youth if one or two injuries occur. And, I mean, again, we know offensive line injuries happen. Um, So that's where I think Skipper enters the fray here. I, I, I have to admit can we just call him? You said it's Dan Skipper, right? Can yeah, we call, him, call Dan? him Dan. Yeah, I, I, and I know that Gilligan's Island's a little passe, granted, but Skipper just sounds, doesn't it? I mean, can you can you even hear the name Skipper without hearing Gilligan referencing Skipper? Skipper? Yeah, Skipper uh, is. We could call, is, just call him. Is kind of tough. Do you think Dan Alan Campbell Hale. had a uh, had a nickname for him? Gilligan, probably, right? I I think Chris Ballard knows Kevin. I thought it was very telling when we were out at camp and we interviewed Ryan Kelly. And I thought Ryan Kelly was very transparent, very honest about what I don't think was any secret, but that 
the the terrible tragedy that he and his wife had gone through of losing their daughter that that just weighed on him and that it put him in dark place maybe is too extreme but it put him in an isolated place and i think that when you especially at the offensive and, and he basically admitted to us with and there's no shame in this he's a human being but he admitted to us that that yeah that probably impacted because that's just a position. Offensive line in the National Football League is a position, Kevin, where you've got to be 100% like laser-focused mentally all the time. And I think he essentially said to us, I, I wasn't. But, you know, I was going through the motions, but my I, I lost weight. I was – that it was really challenging. He lost a lot of weight. And no Listed one – at 307 and said he was down to 285. Th- there is no one that – a would would blame him for that based on what he was going through and that is an actual legitimate human being anybody that does you know when i was a kid i played football we played through that kind of thing okay well then you basically you're an ass if you if you have no empathy for what he was going through but i think that chris ballard perhaps looked at it kevin and said there's a lot of outside chatter and noise about our offensive line falling short of where it needed to be, but as the general manager of this franchise, I know it inside and out, and I know that the anchor and most important piece of the line, in my opinion, that everything kind of feeds off of, was not at 100%, and I am very comfortable and confident that he is a different player and a different size this year, and that that then has the ripple effect outward from the middle of the line, and we're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's quite the it's a lot of eggs to put into that basket. Um, if you kind of just boil it down to that central figure, that person impacting the entire unit, because I would argue, I think you know, all of the positions um, had guys take steps back from the previous year, and really, the probably the bigger question that I have is just more about depth of that you are kind of that one injury away from being in scramble mode with a lot of youth up front, and I feel like it's a game that Ballard has played before. And then we get to January, and he's like, yeah, I regret that. And I'm like, well, isn't that kind of your core philosophy? That That is what is surprising to me with that. And I know Ballard mentioned back last Tuesday on report day about, you know, I thought the offensive line played better late in the year. Jake, let's not act like the offense was all of a sudden scoring 35 points a game. Right. Late in the year. You had some pretty bad offensive performances still um, in the second half of the year so a little bit of offensive line depth there you know who i was asked about yesterday and i thought well you know what we haven't mentioned this guy's name at all and reggie wayne's going to join us at nine o'clock this morning so there'll be a good chance to ask him because he would know better than anybody but um how much work have you seen out of kevin or have you been impressed by not impressed by uh off the radar excuse me is this a guy that's been off the radar um or automatically has looked like a player josh downs yeah, I haven't noticed him as much maybe in the team drills. I think in the one-on-ones, you, you certainly see him. Selfishly, um, you know, basically what happens in the one-on-ones is Michael Pittman faces Kenny Moore pretty much every rep. I guess you understand that. They're the two veterans from a wide-out corner standpoint. I would think it'd be good for Josh Downs to face Kenny Moore in some of those because, you know, he is, you know, at – and I think Kenny's had a nice camp. Um, you know, he is when – Playing well, he's certainly one of the better nickel slot corners in the league. Um, 
whereas Downs is kind of going up against guys that I don't even know if they're going to make the roster. Um, but yeah, there hasn't been, and I think, an abundance of catches out of him in the team drills. Uh, missed a lot of time in the spring due to a knee injury. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the week, he is the roommate to Anthony Richardson. And uh, you talk about NFL bloodlines, there's a lot of them for Josh Downs uh, in his family. So I'm curious to see his role, Isaiah McKenzie's role. I know we had McKenzie on the show uh, to begin things earlier this week. Stature-wise, they're, they're two similar frames, but I think they're two different styles of wideouts. So how the Colts utilize them, how Shane Steichen utilizes them will be something um, that I'll be watching. Do you remember a year ago when I was keen on Dallas Flowers? Mm-hmm. And it, it's admittedly because he made one really cool play that I thought, and then I liked the fact that he played at Pittsburgh State because I knew a little bit about that school. And it had nothing to do with me having any sort of trained eye about his football acumen in any way, shape, or form. Open disclaimer. But every year I pick a guy and I go, I just like that guy. He just looks like a football player. And then I, I follow him. I, I have one yesterday that I decided I was watching them out on the field. And Kevin, I said to myself, that guy right there looks like a thoroughbred. That guy right there looks like a player. That guy, if nothing else, is the Dick Vitale All-Airport team where when he gets off the bus at the airport, he looks. that guy just looks like an NFL player. So I'm all in. I'm all in. If he makes the roster, I'll buy a jersey. I'll do the whole deal. Uh, I'm all in. Hmm. Who you got? Wide receiver. You got any guesses? Well, if I was thinking all airport, Mike Strawn would probably be atop that list, but I have a feeling you've... Boy, I'd forgotten about Mike Strawn. You kind of already... We're we're still waiting for that, right? I've seen that. Yesterday was the annual August day for Mike Strawn. Flashing, Randy Moss plays. Uh, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce. Poor, poor Alec Pierce. Not Alec Pierce. Pierce. Uh, (laughs) Not Alec Pierce. I don't know. I mean, a lot of those wideouts are tall. I mean, Brashard Perriman... Vincent Smith. What was the young boy that we met yesterday? Really nice kid. Uh, he and his dad from down near Trafalgar Lane. Was that right? I or think was I was the day before, right? Was it Parker yesterday? Or Parker. Yeah, it might have been Parker yesterday. Alec Pierce, his favorite player. One of those two, Alec Pierce was his favorite player. Parker was a really nice kid. Too. Yeah, really, really good um, kid. Indian Creek. Who did you guess, Mark? Uh, Vincent Smith. I'll do this in the Chuck Crab voice, okay? I'd receiver for Indianapolis. He's a 6'5 rookie from Southeast Missouri State. Number three, Johnny King. Are you familiar with Johnny King, Kevin? I know absolutely zero about Johnny King. I don't know if I've seen him make one play. I I don't care. All I know is when he goes out there and does the the deep, the high knee bend jogs and everything, that guy looks like a player. I'm all in on Johnny King. If Johnny King makes the roster, I mean, it's 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 like... I'm not going to do shirtless, but I'll bring in Long's Donuts for everybody if Johnny King makes the roster. 6'5", 209, Southeast Missouri State. Do you know their mascot? Panthers. Nope. Cougars. I'm trying to think of... um, The Red Hawks. This was back years ago. So what were they before? I don't know. This is a couple decades ago. Do you remember the name Jackie Styles? Like a great women's basketball player college-wise. I want to say she took Southwest Missouri State. Jackie Styles, the attorney at law. To like the final four? Yes, I do remember Jackie Styles. Was it Southwest Missouri State? Yeah, which the is Missouri, Bears, which is maybe? Missouri State now. That's they, where they, Alford coached. Kevin Alt played there. Um, I did a story when I was in. Did Missouri. they go to the final four? Or am I imagining things? No, I think you're right. When I was working in St. Louis, they had a girl named Kerry Coke who was like the Stephanie White of the state of Missouri. That scored like four thousand points. Went to Missouri State, which was then Southwest Missouri State. 
Southeast Missouri State, you said, is the Red Hawks? The Red Hawks, Are yeah. we going to guess what they originally were? I mean, I'd have to look that Isn't up. Isn't Red Hawks typically what you go to if you were originally like Redskins or something like that? I'm looking. This is riveting radio. I, know. Mm-hmm. I realize. Yeah. Strong. Strong here. Nothing screams Colts off day like this. Fred, you ain't going to join us coming up at 9. Bob Kravitz at 9.30. Um, Jake, you look at a trade possibility for Jonathan Taylor. We'll play some Ian Rapport audio coming up here in a bit. You, correct me if I'm wrong, you say kind of fifth, sixth round? That's what I think. If you go with, Kevin, the running, and Jonathan Taylor is admittedly, one of the top probably four running backs in the NFL. But it's also like being the starting center on the Lollipop Guild. Like, the the biggest challenge is a team that needs a running back. At this point, somebody that's going out and trying to acquire a running back is doing it because they have probably a short fill fix, right? There's nobody. I mean, it would be somebody that their back went down. They need somebody for you know half a season or whatever it might be, or a rental for the year. Because Jonathan Taylor, I mean, if you go out and get him, you know you're probably getting him for one year because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So the precedent, and I know that we're going 30 years back and things have changed. But even when the running back was a a more prioritized position and Marshall Falk was the first of like the hybrid back and was literally not even yet into his prime, Marshall Falk got you a second and fifth round pick. Marshall Falk, who still had yet to be an MVP and a Super Bowl champion and was coming off of a, you know, a dynamic start to his NFL career. I just... The, the the challenge for the Colts if they were to trade Jonathan Taylor is there are two running backs out there that teams can have without giving up asset to get them. And then they can determine their own terms on how long they're going to have them. And you don't get that with Taylor. So Wonderful n- player. No doubt about it. Naheem Hines last year goes for a fifth in Zach Moss. So you think Taylor would go for less than Hines? Um... Again, last year, first off, and, and I can't recall, Hines was dinged up, right? Uh, I don't... I mean, he's coming off... Uh, I don't I was, remember anything with okay. injury-related, seriously, with Hines. Because I mean. Taylor is coming off of an injury that, that cost him games. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been a great player, Kevin, but he hasn't been a great player the entire time he's been here, right? And he hasn't been a great player in probably a year. Because he's been hurt. So he's coming off ankle, and I realize the surgery probably was not a huge deal, but he's, he's a guy that, that it is now known seemingly failed the physical for his team when he showed up at, at camp. And he's unhappy, and he his contract expires at the end of the season, and you have Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook that are out there just sitting on a shelf like, hey, what's up? I, I mean, that that's the... 
it's a good point on Hines. I mean, no doubt about that because he's a better player than Naeem Hines. I just think there are a lot of litigating factors that go into it that are going to make it difficult. We'll touch more on this on the other side. Again, Ian Rapport had some comments yesterday, NFL Network, um, on possible trade suitors for Jonathan Taylor. We'll play that audio coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour again. Reggie Wayne joining us at 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquari here on a Wednesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Seriously, it's one game. Responsible Steve in. Still nobody out. I haven't I overreacted to any Reds win this season. Swanson drills that one right field. That's back and that is gone. Dansby Swanson the other way. I think they should have a rule as a starting pitcher. If you give up more than seven runs before the fourth inning, you have to stay in for the rest of the game. You have to <laughs> even we throw like 180 pitches. I, I don't care. It, it's punishment. Punishment. Ben Lively should have been out there for all nine innings, Can all he 27 pitch again outs today. That'd be great. I know there are a lot of those comments last night. Uh, Reds get wallop. Look like a football score, 20 to nine. They don't really make any move of substance. Although the A's guy came in and did decent. Um, big baseball news yesterday. We had a no hitter though. Framber Valdez, first lefty in Astros history. Throw I'm, I'm disappointed because typically when there's a no hitter, like through eight or something, I will get a hold of my dad. I'm like, Dad, no hitter going on. You got to turn it on. And I, I did not do so last night. There were some shaky moments late. Uh, even the final out was kind of one of those weird bloopers to the shortstop. It was like, oh boy, if this falls in front of him, you know, it could have been an infield hit there. Uh, but I thought it was cool because, you know, the Astros, their fan base were so hyped yesterday by the Justin Verlander news. It was a great atmosphere. And, um, what was it, 93 pitches? 93, yeah. 93? Mm-hmm. Um, so the fewest amount of pitches for a no-no since David Cohn in 99. Now, you Mark, what do we do on this program? We educate and entertain. Right. And we were just talking about Southeast Missouri State uh-huh. University because it produced future uh, Colts Ring of Honor receiver Johnny King, <laughs> and who, I'm 6'5", 209, and he just, he just looks... Smooth. I close my eyes and I can picture it being unveiled already at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's right. Well, they've got to remove one of the AFC wildcard participant banners, but they'll get it up there. Now, AFC finalist. AFC finalist. They also they, listen. More than one person has shown me photos that they have of when they had banners that said AFC wildcard. <laughs> yeah, it's, I have it's that. Got to be photoshopped. No, no, I have that no. photo. AFC participant. Is what you guys said. There's no way participant is participant been on is not on there. But there, banner. there were banners that just said AFC wildcard. Yeah, it said yeah. it said wildcard. Participant, to be clear, was what you guys had said. Right, I missed originally. Both. But that that's I mean, correct. I will say it's six and one half dozen the other. Is it not? Participant is third grade trophy. That is what's wild card. You just you, what's wild card. You made it, yeah. but you didn't do anything. Wild you got in, but we didn't it, win. Is a slight step above AFC finalist. Was yeah, that was very much like we uh, got kind it, of far. 
At any rate, Southeast Missouri State, we now know as the Red Hawks, and I'd said, well, that's usually a name that was changed. What did we learn about Southeast Missouri <laughs> so State I, University? I dug deep because uh-huh. that's what I do on this show, apparently, right. is look up mascot history. It says <laughs> that they used to be known as the Indians, so yes, okay. they did go through a name change. Yep. The most fascinating part is right here in 2005 when uh, they were deciding what new nicknames should be. Obviously, they held this to a campus vote and... You can tell from some of these names. It says, after passing on names like the Ninja Squirrels and the Fighting Okra. <laughs> no, hold, South- on. hold on. <laughs> Where does the Fighting Okra play their home game? I don't know. Ryan's? <laughs> I thought at first you said Oprah. No, no. Okra. O-K-R-A. So after passing on names like the Ninja Squirrels, which would have been a hell of a t-shirt, I feel like, <laughs> and the fly- Fighting Okra, Southeast introduces Rowdy the Red Hawk. Okay. Rowdy was hatched on January yeah. 22nd. 2005. Okay. I mean, I kind of want a, f- a ninja squirrels or fighting okra. Hell yeah. You imagine what the mascot would look like? The fighting okra? That can't be serious, right? Yeah, we've got a live ninja squirrel here in the south end zone. <laughs> well, that's when you hold like the campus vote like during lunch. Like, everybody put your votes in. Somebody's like, I got flying fighting well, okra here. How hard is a ninja squirrel outfit to come up with? It's just like a aren't ninjas completely covered? It's, a, it's just a squirrel with like a headband on it and like Oh stars. yeah, I guess you're right. But I thought some nin- don't ninjas right, wear like a smoke pole? a couple bowls before we sit in this marketing <laughs> meeting here to make the ninja squirrel <laughs> mascot. I'm <up> fighting okra. <laughs> no wonder why. Fr- I mean, what was 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 like pudding fountain not like in the mix? I don't know. Uh, no Colts practice today. Reggie Wayne going to join us coming up at nine. Mark, we queue up that Ian Rappaport clip from yesterday, and we close my Red Hawk history tab. <laughs> we are in a period here of. You know, until Jonathan Taylor comes off the pup list, until he wants to, and I, I don't see him doing this, but if he wants to speak publicly, um, it, it, I guess it would be a bit quiet on this end for the next couple of days. Um, here is Ian Rappaport, though, uh, providing a little bit of an update on Jonathan Taylor yesterday. Well, the trade request still stands. We also have the words from Colts owner Jim say that he is not planning to trade Jonathan Taylor. And this is going to be really fascinating to watch. And there's been a flurry of information, a flurry of reports over the last couple of days trying to sort this out. Were the Colts threatening to put him on the non-football injury list, which they probably can't do? Uh, that was something that was kind of the storyline yesterday. Now this is going to settle in a little bit. I don't get the sense anything is imminent as far as a resolution. So the real question is, are teams going to call and make it make the decision challenging for the Colts? And from my understanding, just talking to several GMs across the league, there is expected to be interest in Jonathan Taylor. I know a couple at least who are planning to call the Colts just to gauge where they are. Would they really, really not trade him? And and you know, then it comes down to the contract, and I do believe, based on the same information, that there are teams willing to do a real contract for him. Would the Colts entertain that? Would they trade away their best player? All of this remains to be seen. And publicly, the Colts have said they are not. But this is what's going to play out over the next couple weeks as the stalemate between Taylor and the Colts continues. find that interesting, Jake. Um, you know, if you believe that report, you know, there are some teams that are curious. There are some teams potentially willing to entertain some contract talks with Taylor. I think obviously you're still a long ways away from, you know, satisfying the what you would assume are pretty extreme demands from Taylor and his camp. But I am of the thought if you are not going to sign him to a contract extension, you do everything in your power to trade him in the next month. Everything. Yeah, I, I can see that, but but has he hurt his trade value? Based on 
the injury, the alleged back injury, the 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 nature of being a malcontent. Malcontents, probably, I mean, that's unfair. But but you get what I'm saying. Are, are there teams that are and the fact that he has a contract expiring? Are teams going to be like, yeah, I don't know. You're right. I mean, there are a lot of hurdles to clear. But again, what exactly the trade value looks like, the compensation, um, you know, potentially handing out a contract, et cetera, et cetera. If the Colts can have several teams fielding calls from them, uh, I think that is very good news in trying to get to some sort of end with all of this. Um, Daniel tweeted this at me, Jake. I love Taylor, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to spend big money elsewhere. My counter to that would be, where are they spending that money, and when have they ever done that? What are you using the tailored money yeah, on? I, show me the players. Show me the positions that you'd be. You have a time right now in the next probably two to three years where you can heavily front load contracts. Um, you can be aggressive from a cap space free agency standpoint, but that is not something that Chris Ballard has chosen to do. And I'll believe it when I see it. You know, Kevin, with our health insurance here, you get two options. You get that, and I, I I'm always unsure of which one's which. So bear with me. But when in in American health insurance in 2023, people usually have either a flex spending account or a health spending account. One of them, like the company chips into the other one, I, I don't know. But one of them rolls over from one year to the next. You don't have to go and like go online in December and buy 740 boxes of Band-Aids like my, my dad did with my account because you're going to lose the money. The money rolls over to the next year. So you have a balance of $1,200. The next year, your $1,500 kicks in. Now you have a balance of $2,700. Does salary cap in the NFL work the same way? Does it roll spend, over? Um, I, know I, they have a, I know they have a salary floor. Yeah, I think you got to spend 90% of your cap over a four-year period. Okay. So is it possible then the salary cap in terms of you ask where they're spending it that they are they have in their mind players that they are going to extend and they are trying to get it all set up in a way that for one big year they're able to get taken care of the players they need to take care of. My question be who are those players? Uh, Pittman. I think it stops there. Um, Quiddy Pay's not due an extension anytime soon. Bernard Ryman's not due. An extension. Obviously, you're not paying your quarterback. I, I I don't. Buckner's under contract for several more years. When did they last extend? Shaq Smith? Leonard is under contract. Braden Smith's under contract yeah. for several more years. I I don't see anybody outside of Pittman that is on the horizon Other anytime receivers? soon. Free agent receivers. I, that would be so out of the norm for for, I, for, I for Ballard. I, it's just um, like. I can understand where Jonathan Taylor is coming from in this situation because, Jake, would you call Jonathan Taylor the best player in the Colts' offense? Yes. Maybe debate he's second, but yeah, I, I would say most people would say he's the best player in the Colts' offense. Jake, he's the fifth highest paid player on that offense. Yeah, no, uh, he has a, a very legitimate beef. And we're talking he about has a, a his, very legitimate beef. We're talking about a historically bad offense. The, the, we're not even talking about we're, we're not talking about a quarterback that's making Kevin, more money than him. We're talking about an offensive line that just underperformed. Mo Ali Cox makes more money. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, Taylor, here's my beef. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, my beef is this. Okay, 
I'm walking in that locker room, and I go, hey, what's up? And I walk past Quentin Nelson. And I walk past Quentin Nelson, who got an extension before his contract was up with a health question, right? And then I round the corner, and I go over to the the cafeteria area of the facility and making a protein shake i see shaq leonard and i go hey what's up and then i remember that shaq leonard got an extension before his deal you know before the 11th hour when his health was in question right and then and there are others i mean off the top of my head i can't but there are others that got extended before their deal was up and i'm john and the taylor i'm going what do i need to do i mean i was as productive as anybody and yet like you just continue to put me on the back burner and you you basically have told everybody you're going to franchise tag me. I just want security. I, I get it. I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, and, you know, several people here and Cam and Elvis, I, I appreciate both of this, have mentioned, um, you think Elvis King is his real name, by the way, on Twitter? <laughs> Probably not. Well, Do you have sound, a hernia right there? sounded like it was from uh, deep in the uh, up there. That's my uh, Elvis. They by the mentioned- way, Elvis, Elvis Presley, by the way, and A.J. Foyt born eight days apart from one another. I learned that yesterday. So if you wanted to know what A.J. or what, like if you think like, how old would Elvis be today? Look at A.J. Foyt. There you go. They have mentioned Grover Stewart. And, and yeah, Grover's a guy that I, I think would be due and certainly deserves something. But I come back to, again, what the thinking has got to be. The, the thinking has to be the support for Richardson more than anything else. And Grover Stewart is not a direct support of Anthony Richardson. And this comes back to, you know, I've heard a lot of people, and Jim Mercy being one of them, Jake, over the last couple of days mention, you know, remember what the Colts did with Marshall Falk? Remember what the Colts did with Edron James? I just don't think those situations are comparable to this one. Okay, let's go back to the Falk one. Falk's gone, right? They say see you to him. What do they do? They draft Edge four overall. So clearly, they still invested quite significantly in a running back. Then they had Tarek Glenn. Then they had Marvin Harrison. All right? Fast forward to whatever, 2006, when they move on from Edron. At that point, they had Marvin, Reggie, Dallas, Tarek Glenn, Jeff Saturday. And then what did they do in the draft? They drafted Joseph Adai. Yeah. Like, they kept the cupboard Fully stocked for Peyton Bleep and Manning. And now you look at the cupboard for Anthony Richardson. And if Taylor's gone and Pittman walks in free agency, Anthony Richardson walks into a kitchen with Deion Jackson, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, Jelani Woods, and Kylan Granson. And again, we're t- we can't even compare Richardson to Manning exiting college. Manning played in the SEC and started in the SEC for four years. Yeah, everybody knew Manning was the chosen one since he was 15. Yes. Yeah, Richardson, it's like, boom, this is major boomer bust. So, I can't even get of the Ursay thinking here of, let's remember what our franchise has done at running back. Sure, you've moved on from running backs. You still have also Kevin, gotten other running backs, and you've made listen. sure that your young quarterback, in that sense, Manning, and I guess he wasn't even young when they moved on from Edrin, that, they, that he still had a whole lot of skill, talent, and overall offensive talent around him. The same thing can't be said for the Colts right now. And I know, and people get on me all the time about like, hey, quit talking about players from the past like that. Nobody, nobody compares to the past of the franchise more than Jim Irsay. And Jim Irsay has to know when he looks at the situation with Jeff George, okay, we had with Jeff George, we had a receiver for him, we traded it. We had a lineman for him, we traded it. And we had a running back that held out 
was a malcontent and that we ended up having to trade and Eric Dickerson. And then all of a sudden you've got Jeff George had nothing around him and it didn't work out. And he went elsewhere and you found out, you know what, the guy can't play. But he couldn't play here because he had nothing around him. Ursay has to be aware of that and see that as a precedent on the danger where they could be. By the way, um, Delta State University of Mississippi, they're the statesmen. But their unofficial mascot since the 1990s, the fighting okra. Because okra is, quote, tough, green, and prickly. So there you go. There already is a fighting okra. How about that? Those t-shirts are sweet. I was going to say, we got to get some of those t-shirts, don't we? (laughs) I think the Colts, I think this overall thought by the Colts seemingly having a change of heart, and again, is this Shane Steichen? I agree with, big picture wise. I agree with it from a uh, roster building standpoint. You know, don't invest in running backs majorly. That if you're going to start an expansion franchise tomorrow, I would agree with that. But that's not reality. The reality is you've got an extremely young and extremely de- developmental quarterback. You've got cap space. If you don't support him in a fragile nature here in his first couple years, you might never develop him. And if you do that. Or you don't do that, I should say. Boom. You're back starting at square one. I think that's the concern you have. Paying running backs, drafting them in the second round. Yeah, I I am not a fan of that. But again, you've got to live in the reality of where you're at right now. And you have a quarterback unlike really any we've seen under the NFL. And you don't have Marvin and Reggie and Dallas around that quarterback like you did in the previous era. And if you skimp and you shortcut on skill players... That is a risky game to play when you've got a guy that we know and we've seen through five practices of camp. There is a whole lot of growth that's needed. Uh, hey, Jake, enough about Jonathan Taylor. Have Kevin send him to QC Kinetics. Let's talk about the players who are out practicing and trying to make the team better. Let's talk about optimistic linebackers, wideout needs, how the offensive line is doing with a new coach, etc. Uh, the line, we'll start with that, Kevin. Yeah, I, as I said, I think it was last segment, Jake, I would say one of the best things so far has been those five guys have practiced every single starting rep together. So, you know, you talk about continuity, you talk about a communication standpoint, you obviously uh, have to like that. As far as the linebacker is concerned, we did see a change in Shaquille Leonard's workload the last couple of days. They have put on shoulder pads. Yesterday they went full pads. Um, we have not seen him do 11-on-11 in the more physical um parts of practice so far so I do think that is kind of the next sort of box for him to check uh, as he continues to try and you know slowly progress back into it but still five practices in the fact that Leonard has practiced every single day and has done the amount of work he's done I am stunned by uh, here's a good comment as well Jake the Colts offensive line was built for quick passing like Luck Rivers and Wentz to keep the defense honest to open running lanes Last year with Matt Ryan, he held the ball way too long, couldn't get out of the pocket. It made it easier for the defense to simply pin back their ears and attack all the time, which also stopped the running game. If Richardson could work on short, quick passes and get the percentage up, the O-line will be fine as well as our running game. That's how they're designed. Problem is, Anthony Richardson right now, in terms of the rhythm of the short passing game, Kevin, that appears to be something that is an area not yet of strength. Yeah, Richardson's Richardson to me looks most comfortable, Jake, when he's throwing the ball down the field. He is a very good deep ball thrower. I am very impressed by the amount of touch and his ability, whether, again, it's from an arc standpoint or velocity standpoint. You know, ball's 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. Uh, That is where he feels most natural. When he's got the driver in his hands, he feels great. When he's got the wedges and the short irons, that's where it's a little shaky. It's a little rusty. 
that was the known about him coming in, right? I mean, that's that has yet to prove to be inaccurate. Let's put it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, that scouting report about him. Uh, again, we have still yet to see Juju Brents, the Warren Central product, practice yet. Um, his absence now. Um, we have yet to see him in an NFL practice. So, uh, not ideal for him as the Colts will get back to practice tomorrow. How has Kenny Moore looked? I think he's had a good camp. Yeah. I, I, I think he's done a nice job. Uh, certainly a huge year for him contractually and the disappointment from last year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've noticed him making some plays and um, you know, I have not, you know, maybe some one-on-ones, the corners have struggled at times, but in the team portion of it, I don't see too many big, big plays being given up. I mean, to be fair, Gardner Minshew, again, is more of kind of a single double guy in methodically moving the ball down the field. Uh, he was great yesterday. They did a goal line situation to start practice. Minshew was three of three for three touchdowns. So him and, uh, him and Richardson were pretty fired up, fired up about that. Uh, yesterday, by the way, I sent a tweet of the opening. I, I've referenced this before. The show One Day at a Time. Are you guys familiar with One Day at a Time? I'm not. I've heard of it. I don't know anything about it, though. Valerie Bertinelli and Mackenzie Phillips were the two, and Bonnie Franklin. So it was on for They're like, showing up on your Instagram feed? <laughs> well, I mean, Valerie Bertinelli is still, I think, somewhat pop culturally relevant, don't you think? I have no idea. You're not familiar with her son so you know who eddie van halen is right yeah so she was married to eddie van halen and then they have the son uh what's his name wolfgang and that his name that's like the guitarist and she that's that's her son i mean ah. she's the mother of that um of that guy but at any rate that the show fictionally took place in indianapolis that's the only reason it would be of relevance around here um i mean it was relatively popular but they just did a remake of it that's out right now on one of the networks or Netflix or something one day at a time but I sent the 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 opening credits to one day at a time from probably 82 83 are nothing but aerials of downtown Indianapolis and it's fascinating because there's no I mean there's nothing there's no one America building there's no dome there's no nothing it's literally the the, the landmarks are the art museum the pyramids they do they do an entire aerial over the pyramids the pyramids like, you know oh look at this here's a business park that it's going to have 40% occupancy probably at one time. And then um, the War Memorial and the Hyatt. The Hyatt's like a big landmark. But I was just curious because you know people are like, why would I know that? It was 1982, and I'm like, it goes back to our thing about Cheers. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know shows like Gilligan's Islands from the 60s, but we all know it, right? I might have missed this, and we probably could have brought it up when we were at the State Fair on Friday. Did I see that... The- and I could be totally wrong on this. USA Track and Field is like relocating to the state fairgrounds. Or there's going to be some oh, really? sort of indoor track situation up there. I hope that's right because that'd be great. I, I did not know I, that. I, I could be wrong on that. I, I, I just briefly read um, something along those lines there, but um, that would be interesting. I mean, obviously, it'd be an indoor situation, uh, you know, training athletes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I, I do know that. Um, the Sam Schmidt Foundation that we've had him on when they've, you know, the, the I don't know the exact name, and I apologize for the name of the organization, uh, Conquer Paralysis. The Conquer Paralysis Now 2023, um, 
group that Sam Schmidt is a part of that, that obviously works against paralysis, that foundation uh, is moving into the old. Did you guys remember the old five seasons? Do you remember that, Kevin? Yeah. That's uh, up yeah. on. Right like, there, what uh, Shorty's Golf Course used to be, and Shorty's is now done. You see it like on 465 at yeah. like Westfield. Mm-hmm. So the old Five Seasons building, which has been vacant forever and was a pretty cool health club when it was in its prime in the early 2000s, uh, that Conquer Paralysis Group is moving into that building. And so now you know that building finally has a tenant. Now, they, it looks like, by the way, while I'm on it, there's a sign of life at the old marsh at 62nd and Keystone, which has become a complete eyesore and was bought by a huge church like five years ago. And then they said that because of COVID, they were delayed in the renovation of it. Um, and I, it looked like they painted it yesterday or a couple days ago. When is I that Chase past. Bank open in front of it? The Chase Bank is open. That's an odd. It's weird. Like you, all of a sudden, there's just a bank in the corner of the parking lot. But the the church, I, it looks like maybe they've finally started. I think they bought it in like 2016 or something like that. Uh, Reggie Wayne going to join us at 9. Bob Kravitz at 9.30. David is asking about the tight ends. Is Mo Ali Cox the clear number one? I would say no. I, I think it's been a lot of rotation there. Jelani Woods has missed the last, I guess, day and a half. The hamstring injury. But I've seen Kylan Granson. I've seen Drew Ogletree with the starters at, at different points. Um, again, new position coach there. And then Will Mallory, the fifth-round pick out of Miami, uh, he is now back to practice after missing several months Was due to a foot, issue? A foot yeah. injury. Yeah, So um, I still think we're pretty early on settling what that tight end depth chart looks like. There's still Doesn't it feel like practices to go it, in camp. It feels to me, Kevin, like tight end is the position where the Colts have the least versatility. Like the, And I don't mean that as a knock, but... It feels to me like at tight end, you have the least drop-off one to like five. Yeah, it's like a lot of, I think, kind of like... A lot of seven and a halves. Twos and threes, if you're going to label it like that. And who's the number one? That's what I mean. Yeah, in that room. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a, a a fair statement. I don't think like you're, you're barren, barren um, at that position, but it's a lot of youth, too. And so you're hoping some guys emerge. I mean, you drafted Granson in what, round four? You drafted Woods in round three. Uh, you know, Ogletree was a draft pick. Mallory was a draft pick. So you've invested there, but it's just obviously having some of those you guys. Know, Barons is a cool mascot. Develop. Like when they were going with the Ninja Squirrels at Southeast Missouri, uh-huh. Barons is always kind of a cool. You a Red Baron guy? Who I, you know, I did eat some. Do they still do Totinos? Oh, I love Totino. Totino, man. That was my diet for about three years. Oh, I mean, in middle school, are you kidding? Chris and John Love's house, Totino's frozen. That They still make the French bread pizzas? They make the pizza rolls. I know that. Oh, the I feel like now we are... settle more on Jack's from a frozen pizza standpoint. Yeah, in the Bowen household, DiGiorno's they still do that. Yeah, I just the French bread pizzas yeah. were big in the early to mid eighties, man. I don't know if they still French do bread pizza still gets it done. Yeah, I don't know. Do they still make those? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we're a, we're allegedly a more heart and health conscious society, but I don't know. Uh, by the way, time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Indiana numbers oh, is average no, sitting at 275. It's like the ninth time you've played this. This is a different home run. Drive left field. That one on its way. And Nico will touch them all. 14-5. Nico with his eighth. Ah, that's where the big boys go. I see tied the most in franchise history. Uh-huh. 
I mean, I mean the game? I'm not playing. These are these are all different home runs in the game. There were six home runs by the Cubs in the game. So I remember when the Cubs in 1984 in game one of the NLCS scored like 14 runs and had Rick Sutcliffe hit two home runs. Gary Matthews hit a homer. Everybody was it was everybody hit a homer for the Cubs and then they lost the series. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going <laughs> to abandon following this team? That's yeah, only that that's audio only. is unbelievable. Is, uh, Drew sent unreal. me this by the way before we get deeper in the morning checkdown. New Pavilion, and this is from David Woods, who we had on a few weeks back. New Pavilion could signal Indy's return as track and field hub. Indoor track and field venue Fall Creek Pavilion was unveiled recently at the state fairgrounds. A portable 200-meter banked oval will be installed for about three months a year for high school, college, national, and international meets. Seating capacity is to approach 5,000. Wow. That's pretty cool. So it looks like this is... um, Swine bar related, Jake. Swine barn. I'm thinking back to Dave. That's the new bar. swine barn there on the. So what? You move the piggies out and then the the runners in. David says right here: Can pigs and pole vaulters coexist? Going to say you know what they're saying to the Indiana's pigs right now. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Thank you, Drew, for for sending that over. I, I would think it might be a bit uh, malodorous when you move in. That you know you're you're in the middle of a run and then suddenly you, the pigs leave a stench. I would think. Mm-hmm. I like the pigs though. I got no problem with pigs. Sure. I'm pro-pig, but I'm just saying. Oink, oink, as you clear the bar. You know? Uh, by the way, last night in the WNBA, it was the Fever winning 72-71 over Phoenix. They are in action again on Friday, 7 o'clock tip against Connecticut. Fever now 7-19. and 19. It is official. The U.S. women's national team will take on Sweden coming up. That is a 5 a.m. game on Sunday. I saw someone mention this yesterday. You know, FIFA and the TV rights people to air the World Cup down in Australia and New Zealand. They were banking on the U.S. to win the group. So they had scheduled all their games thinking they would win the group moving on into more ideal time frames. Well, now they got second in the group. So I think this trend of like the 4 a.m. kicks, that could be a little bit more apparent for however long their stay is going to be in the World Cup, which I don't think it's a given that they're going to win this match by any means. So down to the Sweet 16 for the U.S. women. It is win or go home. Speaking of home, the Colts home here in the month of August, back at Grand Park tomorrow. It's a morning practice at 9 a.m. It'll be a night practice coming up on Saturday. Sunday, their only afternoon practice of camp. I think it's a 2 or 2.30 start for Sunday. And then the schedule really starts to lighten up at Grand Park. You get into preseason games a week from Saturday, the joint practices with the Bears coming up. Uh, Two weeks from today, actually, is the first joint practice with the Bears. So, uh, if you want to see the Colts, um, they have eight sessions left at Grand Sunday Park. got some thunderstorms in the area, too, so it might be an indoor situation. Yeah, certainly want to keep an eye on that. But yeah, two weeks from today, Mark, you're going to be out there, right? Yep. Watching the Bears? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If, if you are from Sweden, aside from the fact that your women are getting ready to play the U.S. in the Women's World Cup, if you're from Sweden, do you think that you more like if you were a native of Sweden and you're now living in the U.S., do you think when you tell people you're from Sweden, which of these three do you think is more quickly and often referenced? ABBA, fish, or chef? Oh, I thought you were going to say Ikea. Or Ikea. Yeah, I was going to say Ikea, probably. You think so? Yeah. But Ikea, though. You know how many but, times I've said I need a flurgan in my life? But Ikea. A I, said Swiss, I don't know fish. that Ikea, like, that people, because Swedish fish, Swedish chef, it includes Swedish. So, like, it's a more natural, immediate assumption or immediate connection. ABBA's a bit of a stretch, probably. 
Ikea yeah. is way up there. That's a, that's a good one. Corey goes, Totina's party pizzas are still a thing and ate regularly at my house. I want to uh, go to that. I mean, they're unreal. I want to go to his house. Corey, can I come over? <laughs> they're they're unreal. Like it's the, a high chair for Max. It's like that kind fine, of crisp, the crisp nature of the crust. Oh, yeah. Unreal. Uh, Reggie Wayne joins us in 30. Kevin Aquaria here on the Wednesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Reggie Wayne in 25 minutes. To think have we ever had reggie on i don't think so i know you certainly jake have had a lot of radio history with him but i don't think we've had him on this show i enjoyed we did um my old place of employment we did a weekly reggie wayne show during it was must listen for me was it two or three years in a row we did it i think it might have been it was three tuesdays years. right that sounds right um i can't recall kevin to be honest with you like whether or not we just kind of BSed with him or whether or not he gave pretty good information. I thought it was pretty good info. You know, the thing about Reggie, he is extremely reluctant to do anything from a media standpoint. Uh, and I think in his current position as a position coach on an NFL team, he's even more reluctant. We, I've been working on this for what seems like over a year at this point. But when he does speak, I think it's gold. Yeah, I mean, he's... Great perspective, honest, um, unfiltered. I have a question for him that I've asked. It's kind of a go-to question for me when talking to coaches that were former players. And and that is, I mean, I'll just say what it is now, and then we'll have them on in 25 minutes. But I, I think one of the things that is really hard for guys that were and gals that were great players is they automatically assume like sometimes I think it's difficult for them maybe it's illuminating to them to work with younger players and realize that what was instinctive for them is not for the people that they're working with so you're watching a player and you're like dude like why did you not just make that cut what do you mean well as soon as you saw them break that way you should have immediately been making that cut and that's like a second nature probably to a guy like a Reggie Wayne or a Marvin Harrison, and that's what separates them. And I think sometimes it's hard for those guys to realize that what separated them because it was instinctive and natural to them or embedded in them through countless hours of repetition is not automatically instinctive for everybody. You know, I think two things that Reggie possesses that has helped him make this transition to being an NFL coach. One, education major. He often mentions that. Like there is there is a teaching part of him that he wants to have here in, in the second chapter of his life here after his playing career. The other, and this gets back to the point you just made, Jake, Reggie Wayne, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. But he's not a Hall of Famer because he's Calvin Johnson's size and speed. He is a you go out to Colts practice, you look at Reggie Wayne, hell, even as a player, Reggie didn't run four three at the combine. Reggie's not 6'3 and 210 pounds. 
you know, physically, he's not Anthony Richardson. Hell, he's not Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce from a size standpoint. Obviously, his route running beyond precise, his hands never dropped anything. So those are attributes that are tremendous. But it's not like he just was born on third base athletically. And, I mean, certainly, I guess he was, you know, he is a rare athlete. But, you know, he's not the Calvin Johnson, the Tyreek Hill type of a wideout. So I do think that can help him teach to what is a very, very young room. Speaking of, by the way, um, born on third base, do you know Reggie Wayne's favorite baseball team? Uh, St. Louis Cardinals, correct? correct? That's correct. Uh, Also, do you know the one thing about Reggie Wayne that he will never – I'll ask him today. He will not tell. He will not tell. There's one thing about Reggie Wayne's life that he will not divulge to anyone. He will not share who screwed up the Tracy Porter interception. Which one do you think it was? I think it was Reggie. Do you really? I I don't know. I could be wrong on that. Hopefully he still comes on. I think I, I, I think I told you this before. I've done this before, and it always marvels me. By the way, Reggie Wayne will not tell anybody what his middle name is. He claims that no one will ever find that out. I have always found it interesting that in that Super Bowl, the Tracy Porter interception, I know I've done this before, but it's worth repeating because I find it fascinating. Maybe my brain is the only one that finds things like this fascinating. But in the Super Bowl, Indianapolis versus New Orleans, Peyton Manning, his father, had been a quarterback of the New Orleans Saints and grew up in the New Orleans area throws a pass late in the game to try to defeat the New Orleans Saints to Reggie Wayne, who grew up a New Orleans Saints fan because he's a native of New Orleans, and the pass was intercepted by Tracy Porter, who had played collegiately at Indiana, thus defeating Indianapolis in the Super Bowl and allowing for a Super Bowl victory for the quarterback of the Saints, which is Drew Brees, who had also played collegiately in the state of Indiana. I just always found that interesting. Do you need a... Catch your breath after that. Towel yourself off a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's that? <laughs> yeah, workout for the day is uh-huh. complete. Yeah. I'm uh, going to go ahead and head out. One thing to note, quarterback update-wise, and I want to stay away from Taylor this segment, your five practices in, Richardson missed a day. He got all 18 starting reps yesterday. Based off my charting through five practices, Gardner Minshew, 42 starting reps. Anthony Richardson, 39. So it has been a very even battle through the first five practices jake when we talked at the start of camp i pointed to tuesday as in yesterday and thursday as in tomorrow as the days of do we start to see a change and i asked shane Sykin yesterday we're now into week two of camp are we going to start to see a quarterback rep change because you would think at some point in august you want to settle on a guy and start to commit more and more reps to him and Steichen played it a little close to the vest and said you know that's something we are discussing as a staff so curious when we go out there tomorrow certainly Saturday and Sunday as we get closer to that preseason opener does that change right now Steichen's been a man of his word he, he said coming into camp they'd flip-flop and they've done that they have definitely done that even with Richardson missing an entire day but does that change how much does that change now into week two as the preseason opener gets here on August 12th. Kevin, do you remember when the Tennessee Titans drafted Malik Willis? Yeah. And uh-huh. Ryan, yeah, last year, right? Ryan Tannehill was the incumbent. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Tannehill, I think, still had some, you know, there was still some tread on the tires there, but and he's going to get another opportunity this year. But Ryan Tannehill basically came out and said, uh, it's not my job to mold a young quarterback. Like, he can, you know... Um, 
this year, I remember at the Indianapolis 500, Agustin Canapino is a, is a rookie. Callum Eilat's a second-year driver. They're teammates. Ryan Marine, my colleague, asks Callum Eilat, like, what sort of things can he teach Agustin Canapino to help him through his rookie year in Indy? And Callum Eilat goes, I don't know, man. Nobody helped me. He can figure it out. Oh, okay. There is no way, shape, or form any evidence to believe that Gardner Minshew has any of that in him, right? I would agree. Like Gardner Minshew, I, I think that there's it's one thing to teach a quarterback by sitting him down and going, okay, let's look at film and whatever else. But it's, there's also something to be said about just teaching a younger quarterback just by having him watch the way in which you're going about things, the the rapidity with which you're going through your reps, and the flow and the feel and the cadence and everything else. And you know, as of right now, Kevin, to your point, th- th- there is a, a clear disparity there between when Minshew is out on the field and Richardson just in terms of the overall pacing, right, and the way that they're doing things. You know, I said this back kind of when Minshew was signed and I guess Richardson was drafted. I felt like Minshew checked so many boxes that you wanted in the in whatever role you envisioned for him this year. Minshew started 12 games as a rookie. So when Richardson gets in there, assuming he does this season, he can obviously be a sounding board of, hey, this is what it was like for me as a rookie starter. Um, He has been in games, started games, where Shane Steichen's been the play caller. So that obviously would be helpful, I think, to Anthony Richardson. He obviously has been a backup. He's been a starter. Um, So for all those reasons, um, I just think Minshew is wired in the right way. Obviously, he wants to be the starter, certainly. But... At the same time, I think he'll be pretty understanding if the direction goes the other way and realizing that there has to be a big picture view for this organization at some point, I would argue, pretty early in the season. All right, Reggie Wayne's going to join us in 15 with what him do, and what Bob. What do you think his middle name is? Somebody was tweeting, uh, DaVinci, Nick says. Is that right? I don't know. It's just kind of random. Yeah, shout out to Nick here, DaVinci. By the way, Elvis King said his name is Elvis King. He was born 11 days after Elvis passed. Really? Okay. So Reggie Wayne in 15. That means let's do the pop quiz next because we've got Bob Kravitz on the other side of Reggie. So four packet tickets to the State Fair. Phone lines are now open. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz on the other side before Reggie. By the way, uh, got this text. Jake, I went to school with Elvis King. His middle name is Aaron. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. We'll have a social by 930. I, I don't believe, by the way, I know that Reggie Wayne, like people have said that it's DaVinci. I, I, I don't think that that's correct. I think he had said once when we did the radio show that he doesn't know where the origin of it is, but that is not actually his middle name. I could be wrong. Well, well I'm going to ask him. Jake, we got to do this pop quiz pretty quick. Reggie Wayne is going to join us here in about 10 minutes, so uh, give uh, us a number. Reginald DaVinci Wayne, by the way. One through eight. Um, uh, He was 87, so we'll go with eight. JJ. JJ. Hey, good morning, fellas. Fly the W. What's going on? Uh, can we hang up on him, Mark? I think he already already wins. Doesn't he have to do the quiz? Uh, JJ, congrats on the win. Thanks. <laughs> JJ, I'll lead you off. counts as one. I'll lead you off with the Cubs question right off the box, JJ. No pressure here. You ready? Let's go. Seven home runs last night in their 29 win over the Reds. When was the last time the Cubs hit seven home runs in a game? Did they do it in 1930, 1957, 1998, or they had never previously done it? 1998. Uh, try again, JJ. Think of something that might be a first. Oh, gee, Mark. Never previously done it. 
Mark Dykton chiming in to help yeah. a Cubs fan. Well, I don't think yeah. Mark's ever offered a clue well, on hey. the pop quiz. Uh, all right, here, JJ. Number two, among yesterday's MLB trade deadline deals, the Padres acquired left-handed pitcher Rich Hill. I can't believe he's still in the league. From the Pirates. The Padres are the 13th different team Hill will play for over his 19-year Major League career. Only one player has played for more teams. I think he was Team USA's best pitcher in the recent Olympics. Name the player who played for 14 Major League teams. Mike Morgan, Octavio Dotel. I loved his windup. Edwin Jackson or the left-handed Matt Stairs. Octavio Dotel. Big old wine. Okay. Uh, question three. Last night, Houston Astros got their 16th no-hitter in history. Framber Valdez threw it, blanking the Guardians 2-0. The Astros had two no-hitters last season, but both were combined. Name the last Astros starter to complete a no-hitter solo. Justin Verlander, Christian Javier, Mike Scott, or Nolan Ryan? <laughs> Justin Verlander. All right, number four here, Valdez. JJ needed just 93 pitches to complete his no-no last night. Name the last pitcher who we mentioned earlier in the show who needed fewer pitches than Valdez to finish off a no-no. Was it Dennis Martinez, David Cohn, Philip Humber, or Daryl Kyle? That was listed to you earlier, and I believe you guys said David Cohn. Thank you, JJ. Nice. Nice. All right, JJ, sticking with that city as a theme. The Las Vegas Aces beat Atlanta last night to improve to 24 and 2 on the WNBA season. Only one other WNBA team has opened the season with a 24 and 2 start. Was it the LA Sparks in 02, the Houston Comets in 98, the Minnesota Lynx in 2013, or the Phoenix Mercury in 2009? All good, but I believe it was the LA Sparks. Cynthia Cooper and Cheryl Swoops, I would have mm-hmm. guessed, for that duo, right? As I said, sticking with the theme of the city that had been mm-hmm. the previous questions. Nice, there. nice. Man, Daryl Kyle had 83 pitches. I like Daryl Kyle. He's a nice guy. He was with the Cardinals when I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, stay on the line, JJ, uh, with Mark hand-holding. It felt like it was Mark walking across the street with his girls with that one. Yeah. Uh, he got number one, right? Let's go! He got Verlander right. Loud and proud. And he got David Cohn correct. Uh, 88 see, pitches. Uh, so Valdez is 93, the second fewest, or the fewest since David Cohn did that in 99. But the slip-ups, number two and five. The guy that has played for more MLB teams than Rich Hill. He said Octavio Dotel. Now as a Team USA pitcher from a couple years ago, Edwin Jackson. You blow it! Houston Comets, by the way, was right also. Did we mention that? Uh, Reggie Wayne going to join us next. He is, of course, the new wide receiver coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And I I guess, Kevin, at that position, one of the things we want to ask him about, I would think, is Josh Downs as well, right? Just to see what he thinks. And and remember his affinity for Josh Downs. First off, I think Reggie first recognized Josh Downs as a fan and that his Miami Hurricanes were getting torched by Josh Downs back a few years ago. Uh, But at the Combine... In February, Chris Bowers on one side of the field with the quarterbacks. Reggie was on the other side of the field with the wideouts. And Josh Downs and Reggie's mind was kind of lighting things up. And all of a sudden, he came over to Chris Bowers and just started gushing about him like no other. So I think he is a big fan of Downs. Um, by the way, speaking of the Edwin Jackson name, remember Edwin Jackson, the Colts linebacker? I do. Tragically I do. died in a car accident? Uh, he was – wasn't it he and an Uber driver both? I think that is right. And re- refresh my memory. I know it's not the most uplifting. Daryl Kyle's death was 
Uh, Daryl Kyle passed in, I believe it was in. Trying to think of where they were playing. I, I think it wasn't Arizona. It might have been Chicago, actually. I think it was Chicago against Cubs. Uh, he passed in his hotel room of a heart condition. That's right. And Joe Girardi was the manager at the time that had to announce to everybody that the game had been canceled. And then his wife, Flynn, his widow, uh, that year the, the Cardinals behind Matt Morris is pitching and Ricky and Keels play. The Cardinals made the playoffs. They played against Arizona and – some wacky morning show in Arizona got a hold of Flynn Kyle and called her in St. Louis and asked if she needed a date to the game on the air. Yeah. I think that might have been the last bit they did. Rightly so. Yeah, that is awful. Does not do that justice at all. Um, okay, Reggie Wayne, he's going to join us on the other side. Bob Kravitz at 930. Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It is 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen. Of course, the other voice you hear in this program, that's why it's called Kevin Inquiry. It took years of marketing research to come up with that name. And Mark Dykton not only controls the handles for us, but he also answers the phones, which right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline is where we find... The wide receiver coach of the Indianapolis Colts, his name needs no introduction in this town. It's also in the uh, Ring of Honor and probably someday will end up in Canton as well. Reggie Wayne joins us on the program. Reggie, first off, thanks for joining us this morning. How are things with you? Uh, Everything's good. It's a typical uh, training camp, even as a coach, as a player. um, It all sucks. But (laughs) at the same time, you can... uh, you can find time to get better, come together as a team, and uh, this is actually where it all makes sense, to be honest with you. Um, you're away from your family. You've been putting all the hard work in, in the summer, and now this is that final piece of the summer, of the spring, where you uh, you put it all together. Reggie, I'm not going to lie. I had you pegged for after year one. I thought you'd be on a beach with the corona in hand for a bulk of 2023 uh you decided not to do that i'm sure you did that at some point this year but you are not doing that right now obviously why'd you come back um for a couple reasons one um that was some unfinished business just with this organization uh what it means to me um what these what this fan base means to me um i just felt like i needed to 
I needed to come back and, and do it again. And then the other part was I feel like like I owe it to these players, you know. I owe it to these players that you know, that 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 wasn't that wasn't the coach standard last year. Not with myself, not with the outcome of the season. And and I and I felt like that's not that's not that's not the way I wanted to go out, you know. I wanted to go out swinging. I felt like I watched four pitches go past me last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they all and, and, and one of them was a ball, but the rest of them were strikes. You know what I'm saying? And and I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to, you know, do it for these players to come back, have a different mentality, um, and help trying to turn this thing around. And Reggie, with that, you know, the difference between last year and this year, I, I think even the Colts would admit this, is that it is more of a total reset. I mean, you've got obviously a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson. You've got some young receivers that you're working with that we'll get to. But does that mean that psychologically for you to come back, that you had to say to yourself, I'm buying in for more than a year here. This is a longer form project than what I originally set out for. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. Um, I really don't. You know, I, I, there was some point in time last year, at the end of last year, when everything was doing its thing, I did want to go have that corona and sit on the beach. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's one of those things where, like, I was I was I was new to this last year. You know, I was new to it. I kind of came in, and I won't say rushed. You know, uh, but I kind of came in last minute, um, in the middle of you know, draft process, not really understanding what to do and how to do it. I had an idea. I mean, we all play, you know, John Madden football growing up on PlayStation and all that stuff, but you, but this, but this is the real thing, you know, and I didn't have an idea uh, on what to do and how to do it. So I had this summer where I was able to sit down and, and, and kind of put some things together, you know, and I said, man, if I, if I have a chance to go back and do it, and all this, all this was before Coach Steichen was here. You know, I said, if I have a chance to go back and do it, this is how I would do it. And I, I mapped everything out. You know what I'm saying? And I was, I was just telling myself, like, like, damn, if I'd have had this game plan last year, maybe my room, you know, would at least played a little better and maybe we could have won a game just on my room. You know what I mean? But it is a young team. And um, we just got to be patient. Um, I, I think camp is going well so far. Um, guys are locked in, you know, uh, especially my room. My room is, is, is playing well. I just want to see if they can sustain that level of play and if not get better and better each day. And, uh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I am. I mean, how can you not be? It is a young team for the most part, young, young key additions. And, um, Man, I just I just want to, at the end of the day, all right, at the end of the day, I just want these players to just say, like, damn, Reggie was a, a damn good coach for me. And for me, that that's all that matters. Has it been challenging, Reggie? Reggie Wayne is our guest. I always ask this of guys that were great players and transitioned into coaching. Did it take a while for you to realize or have to adjust to the fact that what was instinctive to you as a player – and also, the work ethic you had as a player does not automatically translate to every player in the NFL. And for young guys, were there times that you had to realize that you were assuming they just automatically knew what you had known as a player? 
Well, you know, I, I don't assume anything. You know, I mean, I, I, it's the old cliche: if you assume, you become the first three letters of that word. Right. <laughs> you know, um, uh, back in 2018, when I kind of I came here and helped the coach out during training camp, and that was kind of like a little a semi, you know, trial and error for me. Um, I was here with Coach Frank, and um, just seeing if this was something that I could possibly do. And I was out there coaching the receivers, and I kind of had that mind, you know, that mindset like, man, just do it like this. If you do it like this, you will work. It will work for you. Or, why are you doing it? Like, you know, and and it was kind of, you know, I was like, man, why are they not listening? Or why why can't they get it done? You know, and it was kind of like weird, you know. And uh, some of the best advice I got was from Chris Ballard. You know, Chris came, you know, to me one day, and he said, uh, he said, Reg, you know what? I've been watching you since you've been here, man. And he said, you can do this. You can do this without a question. And he said, you're going to be damn good at it. He said, but always remember that all these players, if any, can't do what you did. Like, that's what made you special, right? And he said, so just remember, like, all these players you have to to lock in their own, as I would tell my room, you're an Avenger. What is your power? You know what I'm saying? What's your, what's your, what's your special powers? You have to lock in their own powers um, and see what they can do and do best. You know, and that made me sit down and think. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. And that, and that brought me, that even pushed me on forward to my kids. You know, you know, Reggie Jr. playing football like, hey, Maybe Reggie Jr. is just Reggie Jr. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? So don't 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 think they can do all the special things that you was able to do. Just find out what they can do well and, and, and keep it shining. You know what I mean? So I did have to take a step back back then, and uh, and I never forgot that. And uh, and, I, and I think about that every day as I'm teaching them. But but man, these guys these guys are so talented, man. I, I really do believe that they they all are special in, in their special way. And I, and I remind them all the time, like. We all know everybody won't be here at the end of the day, you know, but while you have this opportunity, you know, that means the people want to want to get, you might as well just make the best of it. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the best of it and, and trying to get as much, as much as these guys' secret powers out there on display. Reg, when you speak to the talent, you speak to the secret powers in your room. I don't know. It might be foolish to say, considering one day you will be in Canton, but is there any attribute of any of the whiteouts currently in your room that w- you wish you had when you were playing? Oh man, it's, 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 it's a whole bunch. You know, um, I look at, I look at Ashton Doolin, the guy's a workhorse. You know, I seen this, I seen this guy can, he could have played with us at any point in time in my career here, you know, just the way he works, you know, um, I look at Michael Strong. I mean, I tell him every day, I wish I had your size and speed. You know what I mean? I'd probably be going on year 20-something right now and playing in football, you know? Uh, look at Michael Pittman, his will to do it, right? His, his work ethic, his will to do it. His, like, I tell everybody all the time, I'm like, I'm like, listen, if I want to go in the foxhole, one of the guys I want next to me is Michael Pittman. Like, that's just his determination to get it done. You know, like all these guys, all these guys, you know, they, they all are special. Alec Pierce, man, his his attention to detail, right? And wanting to go in there and wanting to be good and wanting to do it over and over again and wanting to try new things. Like, all these guys are special. You know what I mean? And it's just trying to get them to play together. And, and they're doing a good job of it. They, they, they're looking out for each other. They're helping each other out. You know, 
that you know there was times in my career where I didn't have that. You know, I didn't I didn't have everybody in our room kind of like leaning on each other, helping each other. These guys, every single guy in my room is really talking to each other and helping each other out. And if a guy, you know, has a brain fart and can't forget it, you got one guy, oh, no, you got to do it this way. Like, you know, that's different, man, you know, from what I was used to. You know, it was either, you know, it was it was every man for themselves for the most part of my my career, you know. So it was you either learn it or you get sit on the, you get put on the bench, you know. But this guy, this group here is special. And, and 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 I will say it was like that last year too when we had you know Paris Campbell he was a good leader for the room you know so it, it's it's one of those things where I enjoy that part because it, it helps my coach out even you know even better. Reggie Wayne is with us. Still weird for me to say, Coach Reggie Wayne. I think number eighty-seven is probably how most people. Me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> how most people course remember reg in this town 11 years ago i think it goes without saying what you meant for andrew luck in that rookie season of 2012 you certainly had some decisions on your own end after that 2011 season uh but critical to to andrew in that 11 and 5 year and, and making the playoffs what is your message to your room about working with anthony richardson working with a young quarterback working with a rookie and what you guys need to provide him just be there for him you know help, you know, make him look good. He's going to make mistakes. You know, he's going to have some tough throws, you know, some tough, you know, go have some tough throws and we got to make some tough catches. You know, we got to help him out. You know, I, I, I remember when Andrew Luck came in and obviously I was, a, you know, I was around for a while when Andrew came in and uh, I've kind of had my foot teammated in this, in this game, you know, for a little bit. But I remember when he came in, it was like, like, damn, Andrew Luck's in the building. He's replacing, he's replacing Peyton Manning. And this guy's got so much pressure. So much pressure. Everybody's going to gonna be looking at him. He's got a bullseye on him. And I just remember the first day I met him, you know, and uh, I can still see the smile on his face and didn't know him not one bit, but he had a big smile on his face. And, you know, he was like, hit me with the Mr. Reggie. Nice to meet you. I had to, I had to get that straight first. Don't call me Mr. Reggie, <laughs> you know. But um, I just told him, I was like, hey, man, like, don't worry about nothing. I got the offense. And when you're ready, you just turn to me and say, Reggie, I got it, right? And that took about 11 or 12 weeks. Every week I would check in with him, like, hey, you good? You, you, you want to take over? <laughs> you know? And he's like, nah, not yet. I'm still, I'm still trying to get my feet wet. Cool. You know? So I was, that, I was that voice for him. I was that leader for him until, like, week 11 or week 12. And I went to him, and he was like, all right, let me, let me take a swing at it. All right, it's all yours. So – you know, my, my thing to my room was like, hey, be that voice. Hold everybody accountable. Be that voice. Let Anthony get his feet wet. Let him learn the system. Let him feel comfortable. Let him, you know, be that leader that he can think he think he can be. You know, because to try to be a leader of men and trying to learn this playbook, right? You you know, every day you got all these errors that you're making, and then you have this roller coaster of emotions, good days, bad days, like. And then at the same time, you're having a bad day, but you can't forget, like, man, you still got to uplift everybody because of your role on this team. Like, that can be tough. That can be tough. So sometimes you need you need that helping hand, and and that's what I want my guys to be. I want them to be that helping hand until Anthony has his foot in the ground. And, and, and Gardner Minshew does a great job of that also. And, you know, but uh, we know how much we've invested into Anthony Richardson and uh, – we just need to be there for them. And not just, just not just my room, every other room in here, too. There should be a leader in every single room. And sometimes there's two leaders in every single position 
and everybody needs to come together and be, and, and build that bridge for them. Reggie, I think that you know it's probably dangerous a lot and unfair to to compare one player to another you know as a direct comparison so i'm not trying to do that but as fans and as media here we have precedent recently of seeing a franchise quarterback that's selected high in the draft that the keys are handed over towards obviously you were an integral part in the acclamation for andrew luck but andrew luck had come in with a lot of reps under his belt in college anthony richardson does not um can you kind of give us a glimpse from your perspective as to where there might be differences based on that precedent of a young player taking over the reins and where there might be similarities that you see? Um, honestly, right about now, I don't, I don't see any difference. I mean, when Andrew came in, guess what? Andrew was practicing. He had rough practices. <laughs> he had rough practices. I the only the only dilemma uh, or the only big significance that I can see that's different would be myself. Andrew had a had a, a skill position player that played for a long time, you know. So he had a safety net, right? In my room, in my room, the guy with the most experience is Michael Pittman Jr. For the most part, <laughs> you know, what I mean, he's still a young player. Right, so that would be the biggest difference. Like they all gonna struggle. Anthony, people think Andrew Luck didn't struggle. Andrew Luck struggled. There was days that you know Bruce Arians would look at him, and, and, and it was almost like his his eyes was like it, 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 like he was something from Men in Black. You know the way he looked at it. like Andrew struggled. So like Anthony Richardson is going to struggle, but one thing that Andrew did was. After he struggled, he came back. He didn't get gun shy. He, he still slung the ball around the yard. And I don't see no difference than, than Anthony Richardson. Right? Yeah. Is that pressure on him? There? I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's a quarterback drafted, you know, the third pick in the draft. You know, he's going to struggle. You know, so um, it's one of those things where we just got to take the, the, the ups and downs and uh, and live with it. They're going to be mistakes. They're going to be mistakes. You you mentioned yourself. You know, Andrew Luck had a lot of games. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson doesn't. But us coming together, putting him in the best situation on the field, and hoping that his teaching and his you know play every day in practice will turn that wheel for him to get him going. I want to go back to Reggie. Reggie Wayne's our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I want to go back to something you said about when you were playing. You know, you came in. Obviously, there was already a veteran receiver there in Marvin Harrison, or a guy who was was entrenched certainly. Um, and you guys were a great duo, one of the best in league history. And I would assume there's a level of competitiveness there. But when you talked about the camaraderie in the room then versus now, can you elaborate on that? On what was different? when you were playing and was it to a negative? Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a big difference. You know, I, I think, I think these, the, the, the times have changed. We all know that, right? Uh, they got all these different rules and CBA rules and all these different, if I look at it and I sit back like, damn, what is the big difference? Right. And it's, like, this will be considered like a country club now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Like, man, we had two-a-day practices. Everybody know that. You know, we had two hours and 20, two hours and 30-minute practices. They don't necessarily do that now. You know, um, like, these guys got so much at their disposal. You know, like, damn, they should play for a long time. You know, a guy, you know, willing. You know, um, like, for us, it was like we didn't have all of the extra, you know, uh, amenities that these guys have. You know, and and I, and it, and it, too, you know, I, I take my hat off to them. You know, it, like that'll help you play for a very long time. You know, we, um, I sit back and I tell the the guys in the room that may not be high on the chain of command. I'm like, you know, like practices are shorter, way shorter than it was when I was playing, right? And by it being shorter, that means there's less opportunities for those low in guys to get reps almost to the point to where it's not necessarily fair. You know, when I played practices for so long that everybody got a ton of reps, you're going to find ways to get reps because you're out there for two and a half hours. You know, now you take, you chop that two and a half hours. You take an hour off to hour and 30 minutes. Like them dudes don't get many reps. So the reps that they do get, man, you don't have time for mistakes. And to a certain degree, you're like, damn, that ain't cool. That's not fair. But that's what they're brought up into. You know what I mean? So it's different. Um, it's different. But I also understand the way that, you know, all these, you know, analytics and numbers and, you know, all the data that's out there now, you know, this is the way it, it, it goes. And um, I feel like me personally is like man i don't i don't need a machine to tell me when i'm tired but that's when that's just what we're up against now you know um I, I sit back and i look and i'm like man you know the guys look fast they look fresh maybe it's all the new technology stuff that got them that way but then again i sit back and i look on the other side and i look at it like damn such and such i only got you know three roughs a day how can i fit them in you know and it's it can be it can be unfair to me at times. So that that's one of the big things. But at the end of the day it's still football. You go out there and you play, you give it everything you got. Whenever you do get your opportunities, you make the you know, you make the best of it and uh and you move forward. Reggie, last one from me and appreciate the time here on this off day for you guys, which I know is not really an off day for the coaching staff. Um I think one of the at more all. surreal <laughs> environments, sporting environments I've ever been in, and certainly one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen was that 2012 game against the Packers. Uh, do you still have the orange gloves? Where are the orange gloves from that Sunday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium? Um, those orange gloves, after that game was over, um, I immediately drove over to Chuck Pagano's house and, um, and handed it to him. You know, so those those orange gloves are hopefully somewhere in reaching distance in uh, Chuck Pagano's house, and uh, you know maybe on his mantle. I don't know. I don't know who knows. It might be in his dirty clothes, dirty clothes laundry. You know, I don't know. You I gotta have Tina let him put him on the mantle. Come on now, Tina. I I I, I, I would hope Miss Tina will put him up there, but who knows? Chuck probably. He probably puts them on every now and then and, and try to <laughs> live his dreams. I don't know. You know what I mean? But uh, that was an iconic game. Um, it was a fun game. Obviously, um, a lot of us was playing out there with heavy hearts. And, you know, we were out there playing with a lot of emotion. And um, there's just one of those times where I was locked in. And then 
and 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 enjoy the game of of, of of football, the game that I grew up playing since I was seven years old, and enjoyed and loved, and just wanted. Didn't didn't expect all this extra that came with it. I just wanted to live, a, you know, fulfill my dream. And I was just stepping onto a field, playing for a team. Uh, I remember the first team, you know, my first dream I had of playing football, and it it wasn't a coach. I won't share what team that was, but it was uh, me playing for a certain team, and that's that's when the bug first hit me, you know. And I lived that dream, and man, it was great. I enjoyed it. Reggie, at that time when you had that game in the Orange Glove game, we were in the middle of doing a weekly radio show together. I can't remember if we did that for two or three seasons. I think it might have been three years that we did a show with you, um, mm-hmm. which was fun. I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed your transparency. The only thing that you never divulged that we asked over the three years was your middle name. And I tried like hell to try to find out what it was. And people are now telling me that it's out there and it's DaVinci. Is that right? I don't know where you heard that from. <laughs> Dang it. I don't know where you heard that from, you know. Uh, um, but, you know, keep digging. You may find it one day. <laughs> the coach isn't budging, Jake. The I player know, wasn't yeah, budging. Yeah. The coach isn't budging either. Uh, yeah, you, you'll find out one day. But keep digging. You're close. <laughs> You're close, but no cigar. DeQuincy. You know? DeQuincy. I got one letter wrong. It's DeQuincy. Nah, I don't like the way that sounds either. Nope, that ain't it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I tell you, I tell you, if you can get in contact with Miss Wayne, my mom, you know, for the right price, she may give it to you. But <laughs> you really, you really gotta, uh, you really gotta find her in the pickle to get that out of her. Mom accepts bribes. That, that's what we've learned in this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Fair enough, Reggie. Thank you, man. Uh, safe travels All back right, up man. to Grand Park, and I uh, appreciate the time here. I right, appreciate it. That's Reggie Wayne right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Jake, I'm trying to think of other sporting events and individual performances that I've been fortunate to witness in person that ranks up there with what Reggie did and that I think it was 12 for 212 yards. I think I was right. Maybe 13 catches for 212 yeah. yards against Charles Woodson. I think people forget that. It's not like he was going against some chump. That was a Hall of Famer. On the other side, obviously the first game post Chuck Pagano's leukemia diagnosis. I I can and again I've only been on this earth for thirty three years, but nothing compares to that. Yeah, it was way up there in the in the ranks of this town in particular. Uh, I mean, his relationship with Chuck, all of it. Yeah, well, the the gloves and then and then the fact that he was going to get fined if he wore the gloves again. It was like, are you kidding me? Because orange was obviously the color, the the color for what the leukemia awareness mm-hmm. he got yeah. them i can't i think it was a dolphins player it might have yeah, been a browns, browns or player. dolphins i, think was, I kind of forget who it was yeah. remember the go-go gadget touchdown he had like by the goal line where he kind of reached out it's one of those no no no's because when you reach out like that you know defender can just slap right. the ball away and um you know andrew luck had some great comments after that game of like it just turned into i just throw it anywhere in his vicinity and he i know he's going to catch it you know, he, the one thing about Reggie Wayne, too, that I remember when he was a player, and I, I remember discussing this with him once when we did that show, and, and maybe I'm the 1% that even remembers this or noticed it at the time, but I remember asking him about it, and he's like, man, I didn't know that anybody noticed that, but you're right. He wore a different helmet than everyone else, and it was a cooler-looking face mask. Do you remember that? 
Like the the NFL kind of transitioned. I'm trying to picture it. So the NFL transitioned to more of like a rounded face mask, kind of especially later in his career, and they were kind of goofy looking. And he always wore the old like Riddell style rubbered metal face mask that was squared, and it just looked cool. It it looked cool, and he was like, "Man, I I agree. I think it looks cool." Thank you to uh, Christian Edwards from the Colts PR department. He was pretty persistent in, in trying to get Reggie on with us. It's been something we've been working on for the last year or so. So uh, thank you to him. Thank you to Reggie, of course, for the time. And that will certainly be up on the podcast. Bob Crabb, that's, by the way, going to join us here in a few. Uh, let's do a morning check down before we get to Bob. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, morning check down's pretty easy. Fever won last night. They beat Connecticut, or excuse me, beat Phoenix by a bucket. They play Connecticut on Friday, and uh, I think that's it, right? Reds Just fell short. On. Yeah, Reds fell short. Cute fellow won. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's it, it, right, Mark? Nothing oh, else. I didn't even get to do a switch transition or no, anything. I think no, that covers sorry. everything. I, I switch at least. Bob's waiting. Oh, wait a minute. What happened? Can keep Bob waiting like this, Mark? You guys hit a button. Is it the plop? Can you play the plop? Absolutely unloaded. Here's what I think of that. Here's what I think of that. Luke Shambi needs to rest the voice out. What are you seeing right there, Mark? <laughs> is the you YouTube saying, camera catching that? You're saying you're bleeding, but I I'm am. also number one. I have a hangnail, like. and I'm on blood thinner, so I've got blood all over my finger, and I'm showing it to you because I'm showing you which finger it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate being number one in your power rankings. Uh, Jake Darrell texted us earlier. Shout out to Indy Thunder down in the beat ball tournament. 3-0 through pool play, I believe. So another impressive effort from them as they are, I think, Oklahoma, Norman, maybe. I think that's right. You would think the Thunder in Oklahoma, they'd go right at home. Yeah, oh, man, makes a whole lot of sense. Mark, we, we've moved on. Uh, Colts happening? practice back on the field tomorrow, number 6, 9 a.m. start time. For that, we'll chat with Bob Kravitz on the other side. Now, he's got some opinions on the Jonathan Taylor situation. I believe his latest on Pat McAfee as well. We can touch on. Bob joins us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jake, how would you describe going from Reggie Wayne to Bob Kravitz? That's a good question. Um, Outside of similar athletic accomplishments. Like going from, I would say it's like going from... Um, I'm trying. Who's a like Shows really popular musician? I, I know. I, I was trying to think of like some like super cool musician in going from that into Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, I was going to say Reggie Wayne to T. Y. Hilton. I was going to be much more complimentary. No, I, I mean that as a compliment to Bob. I'm oh. saying two different styles. Bob, you take that as a compliment. I don't know how to take that, to be honest with you. I'm completely befuddled. <laughs> Not the first time Jake has befuddled someone in his yeah. life. Uh, Bob, let's start here. How was the golf outing on Monday as, once again, raising a lot of money for ALS? Yeah, it went great. We made over $80,000 for ALS. It was, uh, I mean... The, the auction afterwards, there was not a dry eye in the house. Uh, so one gentleman 
paid full price for a seven-day luxury trip to uh, Mexico and then donated it to one of our ALS heroes. Hmm. Um, so it was, a, it was a beautiful day and not just the weather. It was just a great, great occasion for everybody. You did your mom proud, Bob. That's all that we ever want to do in life, right? Exactly right. Thank you, buddy. Hey, um, I, I want to begin with this. Your latest column, um, you know, a, a guy that we both like in Pat McAfee and who we saw from the very beginning of, the, of his rise uh, of a meteoric career here, but you basically were saying that you thought this week, maybe for the first time, quite frankly, in his career that he aired. Yeah, you, you really, you know, you would think that he would have he would have learned something from the canal swim where he took complete ownership, apologized profusely, and, and made a made a better person of himself afterwards. Um, I find not only was his tweet ridiculously insensitive, but his uh, his non-apology apology made it even worse. So I, I think, well, I don't know if uh, Bob Iger or whoever has to get him in a room, but he needs to just apologize and move on. And look, you know, he's, he's a married man like I am. We're used to apologizing, you know. <laughs> this, this comes naturally to us. So uh, um, that's what he needs to do, and I, I really think he erred. I understand that he, you need to be edgy and you need to go to the edge, but I think he, he took one step beyond and he's fallen into the abyss now with this, as defensive as he's been. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us. The latest, it is substack.com slash, I guess I want to make sure I have this right. Um, let me start over. Bobkravitz.substack.com. Is that correct, Bob? Correct. That is correct, sir. Okay, bobkravitz.substack.com. Obviously, along with the McAfee latest piece, certainly everything Jonathan Taylor related. If you don't mind, Bob, I want to start, I guess, let's go two sides with Taylor. Let's start here. Will you evaluate how Jonathan Taylor slash his team has handled this situation? Oh, miserable. I mean, uh, I keep waiting for an adult to show up. And, you know, you've got Jonathan uh, wearing that you know, just sort of glowering at practice. I'll be honest with you. If I was Chris Ballard, I would tell him, come in, do your rehab, and go the hell home. Because him being there just creates a toxic atmosphere. What do we do during practice? Where's Jonathan? Is he smiling? Is he, is he, is he uh, you know, how is he interacting with players? Usually not at all. But I think him just being there, creates a toxic atmosphere. So I think he's handled it poorly. Jim Irsay has handled it miserably. He needs to get his fingers out of the pie. And clearly there, uh, his trainer, who uh, trainer, his agent, who I last saw uh, was tweeting that they should bring the Redskins name back in Washington, which should tell you everything you need to know about this dude. Um, I think they've all handled it really poorly. Okay, then the other side of it, and then you've hinted a little bit at it there, but how would you evaluate how the Colts slash Jim Irsay has handled this? Well, terrible. I mean, Jim has gotten, has been, you know, center stage in all of this. Uh, he's, you know, he's dropping the information all over the place, on and off the record. Um, I, I think he's put, he's put Jonathan Taylor in, into a corner 
Um, you know, and if they go with this non-football related injury, I mean, that's a declaration of war as far as I'm concerned. So nobody, nobody's going to win here. Nobody's going to win. You know, I'd like to see Chris Ballard step in, be the adult in the room, and maybe maybe knock out a short-term contract. Because let's be honest with you, this guy is not a $4.3 million running back. He is significantly more valuable than that. And it just seems to me that if you have some grown-ups running this thing, um, that, that something can still get done. Is Chris Ballard the guy that's awkwardly stuck in the middle? As always, as always, you know, you, you got to think he's just dying inside every time Jim says something publicly or even privately to his, to, to his guys in the media. Um, yeah, for the life of me, if this wasn't a job, if this wasn't one of, what, 32 jobs, um, I, don't, I don't know that Chris Ballard would put up with this, but it, God, it pays really well. Bob, one of the things to me that is intriguing, and I, I want your thought on this, when Jim Mersey hired Jeff Saturday, you know, his quote was, look, I don't know how sausage is made. I know football, but I don't know how sausage is made. I just know that I like sausage. It seems like he is the one that should then be aware that his fans don't care how the sausage is made. They just want to enjoy sausage on Sundays. So why consistently show us the ingredients and the kitchen? I think something happened when he came out of that owner's meeting. And and this is just my guess, guys. Something happened when he came out of that owner's meeting and spoke basically for all the owners about Dan Snyder. And I think he got a lot of positive reinforcement on that. And I think it made him feel like he was an important owner. He was. He is one of the old school family owners, along with you know Rooney and Mara and all those those folks. Um, and I, I think it went through his head. And I, I just think this last year and a half, he's insinuated himself into virtually every situation, whether it's mandating that Sam Ellinger play, getting rid getting rid of Reich, um, uh, hiring Jeff Saturday now. He's in the middle of all this nonsense with Jonathan Taylor, and it needs to stop. Is he is he standing up? And credit to Kevin here, I believe who was the first that planted this seed in my mind. But is Jim Irsay standing up in his mind, maybe unnecessarily, for the other owners and taking a stand against the running back revolt of 2023? Well, look, he he kind of did it when he said, "I'm not paying Lamar Jackson." Uh, guaranteed money, uh, even though he's going to get guaranteed money at some point. But, uh, yes, I, I think he's saying we signed the CBA however many years ago it was. Um, you know, you guys agreed to it. You can't – I mean, I, I don't disagree with them, but that's, that's – I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think Kevin is absolutely right, that he feels like he is becoming sort of the spokesperson – for the ownership group. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us. His latest, bobkravitz.substack.com, his latest on Pat McAfee um, and that apology that Bob believes is necessary for Pat. Um, let's get into the Anthony Richardson, Gardner, Minshew. Bob, we're five practices in. I think 
for the most part, it's been a 50-50 split. I know you have been a proponent of waiting a little bit to put Anthony Richardson in the lineup. Uh, Colts-wise, do you think they have that same line of thinking? Do you think we'll see Gardner Minshew for X amount of games in 2023? I think we're going to see Minshew for a couple of games. Uh, I think things will probably not go great. And I, I think, you know, maybe after five, six games, maybe longer, uh, we're going to see Anthony Richardson. Clearly clearly the owner wants him out there. Clearly Steichen wants him out there. I mean, look, everybody wants him out there. But you can't put him in a position where he, he is likely to fail uh, and, and, and have a long-term impact and have it have a long-term impact on him. You, know, you go back to Ryan Leaf. I, I talked to Ryan Leaf often. He said, you don't know how some of these guys are going to react to failure for the first time in their lives. And he did, obviously did not do it, handle it well, and it was the end of his career. They just need to make sure that they're putting this kid in a good position to, to play well. And if you put him out there early, you end up with another David Carr, um, you know, or, or any one of those other quarterbacks who got out there too early and got their brain speed in. Remember, this is an offensive line that gave up 60 sacks last year. I realize they had statues back there, and it's not going to happen again. But um, this this young man needs to be put in a position where he can succeed or at least taste a little bit of success and know going forward that he belongs. Bob, on a total side note, this is just one of those random brain-dropping epiphanies that hits me from time to time. Right. Um, you sound totally rejuvenated. I am. I am. I, I got my energy back. I feel. I feel. I like being my own boss. You know. Like I got. I, I, I came home last night and I wrote uh, McAfee and finished it up this morning. I was like, I don't have to ask anybody if I can write this, and I don't have to worry about the damn metrics. If they're good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. And yeah, I also got a good night's sleep last night, so that, that has something to do with it. But uh, good for you, yeah, Bob. I, Seriously, I, I, feel, I feel rejuvenated. You're right. Is it easier to write when you don't have handcuffs on? Yes. Yes. Yeah. In there. Absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't so much handcuffs is that I never knew if, if what I was writing was what they were looking for. And I was always worried about the metrics. And granted, you know, I worry about the metrics now because this is the way I'm feeding, I'm feeding my family. But, um, you know, it, it's all on me. It, it's not on anybody else. I don't have to worry about placement of a story i don't have to worry about graphics i don't have to worry about timing i just knock it out send it out there hopefully i don't screw it up and let people uh let people decide whether they want to subscribe or not and i hope they will okay so here's what i decided going from reggie wayne to bob kravitz from a music standpoint is like going from lenny kravitz to bruce springsteen oh i like that does that work i hate do you like springsteen bob Oh, I'm a sports writer, man. I'm going to see Springsteen a week from tonight at Wrigley Field. Oh, my God. You got any openings? Yeah, if you want to buy a ticket. I bought it. They were not expensive. I was surprised. I bought them in the secondary market. You're more than welcome to make the ride with us. My buddy, I, my buddy Michael Weir what, and I. I'll tell you, I mean, I've seen Bruce about 11 times. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore. Uh, well, let's let's be in touch because I, I may take you up on that, my friend. Okay, I think Bob, serious. But here's about the that. thing, Bob. Bonsai trip. We're going up and back same night. Same night. Yeah, that's okay. I'm not driving. 
<laughs> I was waiting for that part. Bob, last one. As Jake said, we just had Reggie Wayne on, and I, I, I'm probably putting you a hair on the spot here, so I apologize for that. But I said, and whatever, the 11, 12 years that I've been you know, covering the Colts, a little bit of the Pacers in this market, Reggie Wayne's orange glove effort in 2012 is, in my opinion, yeah. the greatest individual performance I've seen, and you got to factor in the, the Hollywood aspect to everything around it as well. What in your history of covering sporting events ranks up there with that? Well, I think that, the, the, you know, Andrew Luck in the comeback against Kansas City uh, rates right there. If you're talking about local sports, yeah, um, uh, that that one what was a 48-45 or something like that. Uh, that one ranks right up there off the top of my head. Yeah, that is that is certainly a good one, and you know both those had big comebacks. Even the Green Bay game, not at that level from a playoff standpoint, but yeah, the Andrew Luck one as well. All right, Bob's latest again: bobkravitz.substack.com on Pat McAfee. Bob, congrats on the golf outing. How much money you guys raised? It's absolutely awesome. And more importantly, I echo what Jake said, and I've seen it firsthand out at training camp. It's been pretty cool to see, um, you know, just the extra boost that you've had here uh, as of late. So, congrats on that. Thanks, buddy. Thank you both. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll do it one final time here. Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Could have sworn I just threw to break. No. <laughs> short one here. That was a short one. Uh, Reggie Wayne, Bob Kravitz, both will be up on the podcast. Yeah, I said this about Dwight Freeney, Jake, when you did the interview with him last week. You know, Dwight and Reggie like to keep pretty low profiles from a media standpoint. Yeah, and they're both great, right? Oh my gosh. Selfishly, I wish they didn't. We call that a boomerang break, by the way. You threw it and it came right back. Um, the Australians, for the 500, gave me a boomerang. And they really work. Did you know that? Uh, I haven't thrown one in a while, but I remember my Uncle Tad having one we threw it's, in the backyard and it did work. It, you have to have a huge plot of land to do it because it takes a, I mean, it, it takes a pretty wide turn. And it doesn't automatically... You have to throw it a very certain way. It's extremely specific on how to do it. It's kind of an acquired skill. We learned that the hard way in our neighborhood. A kid had a boomerang, went to throw it, cracked another kid's skull Excuse in the me? cul-de-sac. Excuse me? Yeah, kids went fling. Yeah. It was, well, too, it was too close. He went to fling it right in the head. Blood instantly. Boomerang made out of? Wood. Boomerangs originally were designed as like a hunting weapon, right? A hunting tool? Well, looks like they need to hire I mean, Mark's I had a, neighbor. I had a Nerf boomerang when I was a kid. U.S. Why military they, like, get Mark's neighbor? <laughs> Like what is it? What, we come in peace, but Johnny's got his boomerang in his back pocket of things. <laughs> like turn Dennis ugly. the Menace on the front lines, like, get a slingshot too. So you had an authentic boomerang in the. I didn't have one. The neighbor did, and then the neighbor's kid whack got whacked in the head. Wow. Yeah. That was was that the end of the boomerang? <laughs> it was, was a pretty it like- bloody scene that that summer. Yeah. It's kind of funny to hear Reggie Wayne's comments about how much training camp, and I think even the type of athlete in those training camps has changed how about when i asked if things if there was like tension amongst the the receiver locker room there was a long pause there 
Did you notice that? Yeah, there was, but then I felt like none of his answer really hinted at that. Right. I think uh, he was just saying like times were different. He's talked about how much the athlete has changed over the years. I mean, again, it's crazy to put Reggie in like a different generation, but I mean, I guess he is. How, how old is he, Jake? 43? Uh, Reggie Wayne would be, what was his rookie year? Is it 01? I'm trying to think. I was going to say 01 or 02, so that would have put him at, you know, born in, what, 79? So he'd be, that put him at 43, 42? It's amazing, isn't it? I mean... What's it list him as? Are you looking it up? Yeah, I was also trying to look up Reggie Wayne Jr. Uh, turns 45 in November. Okay. Yeah, because I was, you know, he mentioned Reggie Wayne Jr. I was thinking, obviously, Marvin Harrison. Do you see the green jerseys Notre Dame's going to rock against Ohio State? I love them. Yeah. Do you hate them? Do you want both teams to lose? I, listen. That was your 50th birthday party last year. That's right. Notre Dame, Ohio State. That was actually a good game. Shout Notre out to Dame. Big Lug for thought, having that on. I might have spent a little more time in that room than I did the party room. I fully admit. I don't blame me. You didn't know anybody. I mean, I felt bad for you because it's all the guys I grew up with. and you know. Oh, yeah. Byron, Farkas, um, Loves. <laughs> the bingo card is out and about, Mark. Um, that, you know what? Notre Dame looked good in that game, and I think Notre Dame's going to be really good. I think they're going to be really good. Um, I got don't the like, quarterback transfer from Wake Forest, Sam. I know. He's he's a good player. He's a that guy's a good player. I did you see yesterday the report? And I don't know that it's anything other than like a rumored Twitter meme or X or whatever it's called now. But that Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, Washington, all rumored to go to the Big Ten. Give me those names again. Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, Washington. Big Ten. Yes, I I don't believe that for a second, but that's why. If you're Clemson in Florida, would you get out of your recruiting area for that? I, I would tend that to agree. With seems that. I, I get the money is probably great from a TV contract standpoint, but I mean, what's what's the streak that we're on? Is it? I think it's over a dozen years that the national champion has come out of the southeast. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I, I'm also when was Ohio to, State's last national title? Uh, I'm also going to well, the Ohio State won it. Gosh, it's been that long ago when they had um, who would what, Dwayne Haskins wasn't he the one that led them to the national title or was it Cardell Jones one of those yeah, two I mean, it was Cardell Jones I mean I we're what we're approaching almost ten years I guess, yeah I guess you're right yeah um, I I personally think the Big Ten if they end up adding four. I truly, truly believe if I had to write down four names and, and put them in an envelope and when the Big Ten adds four more teams, they're going to open it up. And if I went four for four, I get $10 million. I would write down Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Notre Dame. That would be the four that I would. Stanford coming without Cal? That's That would be the one curveball there. But I think that Stanford would come in with Notre Dame and vice versa. You talk about the ridiculous nature of this conference realignment outside of football. The fact that BYU and Central Florida are conference rivals, yes. I was reading yesterday that the State College Airport, obviously the location for Penn State, uh, the runway is not big enough to fly a plane there filled with fuel to head to Los Angeles. So when Penn State makes their trips to USC and UCLA, they will have to bus to Harrisburg and or Pittsburgh. Good Lord. I think about this, too, and I, I do think that I've heard that like some of the the smaller sports, like, like cross-country and track and field, they won't do 
the cross-country track. In other words, Minnesota's track team is not going to be like going on Tuesday night and playing at UCLA and coming back on Thursday and hosting Wisconsin. They'll do like invitationals where they're all there together for a week. They knock it all out, you know, that kind of thing. But, I mean... So we're not going to get a USC-Rutgers volleyball match on a Tuesday yeah, night I, I, in Scottaway? Yeah, I mean, that would be... that's Some of that is my assumption. I Or or if you do, it's going to be once every like four years. You know what I mean? I, can you imagine like... It, it's a bummer if you're a UCLA student-athlete more than it is if you're a Wisconsin one. I mean, if you're at Wisconsin... It's pretty awesome. You're already playing the Big Ten schools you're used to. You're probably from the Midwest, and you get to go now and play in Bel Air and at SC and everything else. If you're a UCLA player, you're like, wait a minute. I, I thought I was going to be playing in you know, games in Eugene, Oregon, and at Arizona and Arizona State, and instead I'm having to go now and play in November in Madison or Ann Arbor or West Lafayette. I mean, you got to wonder what it does for UCLA and UC and USC's recruiting. Three weeks from tomorrow, Notre Dame and Navy in Dublin. Ah, hey, you know the kid, the, the quarterback that used to be with the Wake Forest. Why, Kevin? We have two minutes left. Why'd you bring that up? Did I regret that? Move the ball. Do I regret saying that? Can we rewind that? Do you regret it? Did you not just hear? By the way, feel free to rip me for this, Jake. I saw the announcement yesterday of the college game day lineup for this season. Isn't it time for Lee Corso to just hang it up? Yeah, I, I, and there are some honesty, obvious health concerns there, or I mean, health it is limitations. It is kind of sad that there's nobody within even the Corso family that yeah. would step in and be like, "Yeah, we, it's probably time." I mean, think about how great it would be to do one final, you know, headgear right. game. He can pick the game. What? Love ah, college it's another game day, first down throw down a pint. <laughs> I'm looking up the Delta State schedule because I want to see if I can get a uh, no the Ninja fighting, Squirrels no the Fighting Okra oh the Okra <laughs> see if they're coming right. they're not anywhere close to our area Jake I'm surprised you didn't ask Reggie Wayne about Johnny King and how his development has been I know I didn't want to put him on the spot though because what I mean in all honesty what if Reggie had been like I'm not really that familiar with him S- somebody Wait, said Reggie Wayne's middle name we should have asked is Elvis shouldn't we have asked if Elvis was the obvious middle name. How great would that have been Reggie's like, who? Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he sits in the back left of the room, yeah. He doesn't say much. Yeah, that's the guy that played for the Ninja Squirrels. <laughs> uh, thank you to Reggie Wayne. Thank you to Bob Kravitz again. Colts practice, nothing today. We'll be back up there tomorrow, 9 a.m. morning session. So for those that are coming out, gates open at 8. Stop by our uh, tent. We are at the Northwest corner do i have that right yeah northwest corner of the two practice fields so come over and say hi and uh, we'll be out there for the rest of the morning practices here in training camp thank you everybody for listening to kevin and query again we'll be out there tomorrow saturday and sunday they've got practices as well everybody have a great wednesday we'll chat with you tomorrow